0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
2: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
1: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. Presented by AT&T.
5: Connecting changes everything. You're listening to
6: Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
5: Radio. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your Christmas post-game festivities. I don't know what you would call it, but hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I'll tell you what, though. Santa did not bring us close games on Christmas Day. That did not happen. It was Beatdown City in the NBA and the NFL you look at the NBA, you had the Clippers beat the Nuggets by 13 points. he beat the Pelicans by 13 points. Those were the close games. Then we get the Lakers. I feel like I'm using Brian uh, Fenley descriptions over here. He always has the colorful verbs and adverbs, uh, adjectives rather, right? Like body bag. Yeah. Like the uh, Lakers body bagged the Dallas Mavericks by 23. Do you have any more cuts of Brian Fenley with those adjectives? Vomiting or verbs. Yeah, okay. The uh, Celtics vomited all over the court, losing by 28 points against the Nets. Any more? How deep does this this uh, this page go with Brian Fenley cuts for you, And it Chris?
7: drew the issue of Chuba Hoover. <laughs> resting that, snugly between his legs.
5: I think the previous one is a great description of the Warriors. Right? They lost by 39 points. Can you play that again where it was just kind of gibberish? And it drew the issue of Chuba Hoover. I, yeah, I think that's the Warriors' description right there. Getting clobbered by 39 points against the Bucks. So it wasn't close. It was not close. We'll also get to the NFL game where the Saints put up 52 points on the Vikings as they have been eliminated. So a lot of angles here. I just want to hit you with one right now. I want to look at the NBA because KD and Kyrie, they're off to a great start with the Brooklyn Nets. They smoked the Celtics by 28 points, 123-95. to Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. This isn't the true test for Kyrie Irving specifically. The true test with Kyrie Irving is when things aren't going well. When things are going well, Kyrie Irving is... Pretty much okay. I mean, you might have this, no, oh, the media, they're pawns, I'm not doing interviews. There's some drama even when things are going well. But when things aren't going well, we've seen this movie before with Kyrie. Think about him with the Boston Celtics. I remember gosh, this is when I was a hardcore gambler, right? Like I uh I still am, but I, I, I've taken the better I've pretty much taken twenty twenty off of gambling. More on that in a second, but I remember a couple of years ago, I had the Celtics on the road against the Orlando Magic. I put a decent amount of cash. Not anything that you're like, what? man, you got problems, man. Call a 1-800 number right away now. This is alarming. It wasn't anything like that, but I had a decent amount of money on the game, and so I was very much paying attention to this game, and the Celtics lost outright to the Orlando Magic. And they had lost a few games in a row and leading up to that loss. And I'll never forget Kyrie Irving after that game. It was a little while ago when he was with the Celtics. And he said, after that loss to Orlando, these young guys don't know what it takes to win. And it was just, that's Kyrie. Kyrie is not this calming force. He's not this guy like, hey guys. I'm the leader here, even though things are rocky right now. Let's stay the course. He's the guy that adds to the drama. So when you look at Kyrie and KD together, very deep roster. I like the Nets. I do. I think they've got a chance to make some serious noise this season. But I'm just telling you this. We haven't learned what really matters about Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets yet this season because Kyrie is a guy when things start to go badly, when his team has lost a couple of games in a row, if they get blown out one night, he is a guy that can tend to be emotional to a fault and say some stupid things and cause things to get further off track. So I want to see that. If you have dated someone before, the true test, whether they're going to be a good partner or not, Happens when things are going badly. It's not when things are going great. It's not when you go out in normal times and see a movie, catch dinner. It's a great time. Like That's not what you need to find out if it's going to be a good partner or not. If it's going to be a good relationship. You need when she isn't getting her way. When I, you lost your job or you accidentally wrecked the car. So, something goes haywire. How does she behave? That's the true test. So everything's going to be great. When Kyrie Irving's burning sage in a preseason game and they're off to a great start, they've won a couple of games, they've looked magnificent, you haven't learned what you really need to learn about Kyrie and this new Brooklyn Nets team. So I would just take that into account before you get fully on board the bandwagon. Again, I like their team a lot. I just want to see if Kyrie Irving has grown up, if he's more mature when things aren't going badly. Because in the past, that hasn't exactly been the case. I'm Brian, No, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. I'll just tell you this right now, before we get to ball, I drank a Mountain Dew right before the show. I am, uh, I am. Probably on a sugar high. Ate a couple of cookies. Had a Mountain Dew, you know? So I'm trying to compose myself. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. No eggnog. No, I'm going to get to that a little bit later in the show. No eggnog in the house. Uh, Terrible branding. I tried it last year. First time in my life. I'm like, why would I want to try this? It sounds horrible. No, it's just, it's a horrible name. I thought it was like literally made of eggs. Terrible branding. But we don't have any eggnog in the house but maybe I'll crack another Mountain Dew and we'll get all sorts of crazy here. Now, as far as ball goes, the Saints beat the Vikings 52-33. to The betting line for the game, if you were looking at the total, the over-under was 51. The Saints hit the over by themselves. <laughs> they scored 52. 52 points. You don't have that happen all the time. So the big takeaway here is Alvin Kamara. He tied an NFL record with 6 rushing touchdowns. Tremendous performance. The guy, the balance that Alvin Kamara has. He rarely is off balance. And just underrated strength. Like you have linebackers sometimes bouncing off of Alvin Kamara. And so to for him to maintain his balance seemingly all the time. It takes a lot of strength to be able to do that, but it was just a stud performance, one for the ages, six rushing touchdowns. This was Alvin Kamara after the game, taking the high road and not so much me, 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 me. Here's what Alvin Kamara had to say after that performance.
4: Like I said, I always say this, like I'm not focused on personal like goals and yards and stuff like that. As long as the team is, you know, has success, then uh, personal success will come.
5: There you go. Team focused. I like that. By the way, I'm kind of surprised about this. A career high rushing yardage for Alvin Kamara. A buck 55. You surprised about that? I am. I know it's been a bit of a two-headed monster over there. Latavius Murray will get some carries here and there. It's not a team that relies heavily on their running game. It's not like they're feeding Kamara 30-plus carries on the regular. But still... A, 155 yards. I'm surprised he hasn't had one game that was a higher rushing total than that. But that's the secondary story. The primary story is six rushing touchdowns for Alvin Kamara. A little bit later in this hour, I want to get to this. As we look forward to the playoffs, who is the most valuable player for the Saints? Because you look at Kamara and six rushing touchdowns, and he's an electric player, just this playmaker in the running game, the receiving game. Is he still their most valuable player heading into the playoffs? You still have Drew Brees, still have Cam Jordan. So we'll get to that a little bit later in this hour. Now, the other thing to take away from this game, Mike Zimmer, Vikings head coach. (laughs) I'm laughing before I even call for this sound. You just don't hear coaches lambaste their own team the way Mike Zimmer did after this game. Now listen to the question and the response that Mike Zimmer gives about his defensive effort while giving up 52 points. Check this out.
4: Would you classify what happened today and what's happened this season as a bad defense?
5: Yeah, this
8: is a bad defense. Worst one I've ever had.
9: (laughs)
5: I mean, that is just, that is so outside the norm And I would say, refreshingly outside the norm, because you get a lot of these coaches, it's the, it starts with me, song and dance. Sean McVay is known for this, right? He'll say this, it starts with me, you know, yeah, we lost to the Jets, but it starts with me, and and, you know, the players do, they got to do a better job. This is a classic Sean McVay soundbite. Check this starts out. Starts
10: with me. Got to do a better job. Uh, we've all got to do better.
5: Yeah, starts with me. Mike Zimmer is like, these guys stink. Yes, it's a bad defense. It's the worst one I've ever had. Again, the it starts with me movement. It's been just growing stronger, gaining momentum. I put together a mix And I put it to the tune from Shaggy. Remember the It Wasn't Me song? I would love to know when that thing came out. It's been uh, been a long time since that one dropped. But we've got coaches. We've got players. Tom Brady is in this mix. This is how common it is. If you're going to say anything negative, anything critical, you start pointing the finger at yourself. That has been the norm in the NFL. Here's the mix. It starts with me. Starts with me. Heard the starts with me. Heard the starts, starts with, with me. me. She until it was over. And and Mike Zimmer was just like, "No, man, the defense blows. They're freaking terrible. Worst I've ever had. <laughs> that is refreshingly honest. And uh man, I'll tell you what. I know the the Vikings, it's not the sexy story, but this layer to me is very interesting because if you are a head coach, I always look at it this way. You should be good at what the head coach excels in, right? Mike Zimmer is a defensive coach. Very good defensive coach, by the way. The Vikings stink out loud defensively. I'll bring in Chris's... Detroit Lions, Chris on the ones and twos with us this evening. Matt Patricia, his record was brutal. But when he is a defensive-minded coach, and they are atrocious defensively, that's when you're like, oh, man, this is not good whatsoever. And you could look at, yeah, there's some new guys in the secondary with the Vikings and this and that. Okay, fine, but if that is your area of expertise... And that is the side of the ball that you are struggling more in. That is a red flag. And you always see this with coaches, too, where things start getting bad. Look at the Raiders. You know, Paul Gunther gets fired. You'll see that. Like, one side of the ball is bad. All right, we got to fire the the coordinator, right? Like, save me over here. This was the equivalent of that. Mike Zimmer, passing the buck. Say, yeah, this defense blows over here. I... It's sort of like throwing the life preserver to yourself, you know? Like, let me stay afloat here and keep my gig. But definitely an embarrassing performance by the Vikings defense. Been a handful of those this this year. Okay, lots to do tonight. Lots going on. You can hit us up here, 877-99 on Fox. Always love working in the phone calls. Love being interactive here. I'm not trying to sit at the pulpit and preach to you all night, you know? I will. I will. I will, but I like being interactive. So if you are free on a uh, Christmas, I don't know, after party, if you will, hit us up. Also, at The No Show is where you can find me on Twitter. Lots to do. Coming up next from the Geico Studios. Like I mentioned before, we'll get to this. We'll hit on it. Who's the Saints' most valuable, valuable player heading into the postseason? Would you go with Kamara or would you go somewhere else? And then also... You talk about the reddest of the red flags for the NFL, and yet they're doing nothing about it. I'll tell you what that story is about coming up next as well. I'm Brian No. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
2: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor.
1: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
2: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a
0: secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
10: Terms and conditions apply.
5: I'm Brian Noe here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. I love this track. Yeah, it's a nice track by you, Chris. So are we letting our hair down officially? Like, uh, midnight Pacific time? Is it non-Christmas music at that point?
3: Yeah, so I think the, uh... We were we were asked, like, I think it's 9 p.m. Pacific, you know, midnight on the East Coast is when uh-huh. the Christmas music was supposed to be killed, but that stinks to me of East Coast bias. So okay. I wasn't on the board, and I want to make sure we go out with the proper Christmas song and then right from there, back to the usual music of the season. Okay, so do we have Slayer on deck tonight? What are we thinking? Here? We might have some Slayer. We might have some Slayer. I've been wanting to play Refused for about a good month or, and change, so... Okay. That's going to be up as well. You know, usual like usual, uh, hardcore stuff late at night.
5: Okay. All right. I like it. Are we going to get a little bit of rap going on tonight? You know, a little eclectic flavor? What do you think?
3: Well, I just gave you a little bit of Run the Jewels that was still a Christmas song. There you go. Uh, we'll see what else we can get. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll find you some Shaggy, you know, since you were just talking about it. Okay. You now, here's my question
5: before yeah. I get into uh, the reddest of red NFL flags here. Has the gritty... Right now, Sean Payton, Saints head coach, he did the gritty in the locker room with a mask on so he didn't lose another sixth-round pick or something like that. Remember how they got docked earlier this season? But he was in the locker room, and he was dancing, celebrating an NFC South crown for the fourth straight year. And if you are late to the gritty party, if you will, you're basically just kind of like, I don't know, you're just hitting your heels on the ground. Like you just trade feet back and forth and you're just hitting your heels on the ground. You just kind of move around like that. It's the dance craze of the NFL this season. Has the gritty approached the mainstream popularity level of the dab? That is the question. Has it come close to that? And the answer would be this. Absolutely not. Not even close to the popularity of the dab. You remember when Cam Newton was doing that thing? Everybody was doing that thing. Now, here's the difference. It takes no coordination whatsoever to do the dab. You could be completely uncoordinated. All you have to do is like, act like you're head butting your wrist. The dab is done. You got it. The gritty, whole different level. So, no, I don't think that the gritty has gotten close to the mainstream popularity of the dab because of user friendliness. There you go. There's my deep dive breakdown of Dab versus Gritty. I think it's on point. I don't think you can argue with that logic. Now, here we go. Before I get to the calls here. The reddest of the red flags. If you look at the NFL, the Detroit Lions. Now, hang with me because this is more than just the Lions. <laughs> I feel like i have just, wait, wait, don't leave, right? I'm this here. It's more than just the Lions thing. I know you're all ears, Chris, with your Detroit Lions, but there are four coaches on top of uh, Lions interim head coach Daryl Bevel that will miss tomorrow's game against Tampa. So they won't have their interim head coach because Daryl Bevel, due to COVID protocols, he's going to miss that game. This is close contact, right? He had close contact with someone who tested positive for COVID. So you don't have your interim head coach. You don't have four assistant coaches on top of that, including Detroit's defensive coordinator. So you've got, this sounds like a Broncos-type situation. Remember when the Broncos didn't have a quarterback and their practice squad wide receiver was playing QB? It's along similar lines, right? Not the same thing, but the Lions wide receiver coach, Robert Prince, he will reportedly fill in for Bevel as the acting head coach for the Detroit Lions on Saturday against Tampa. Now, why this is much bigger than a Detroit story? I think the NFL not going in the direction of playoff bubbles is a huge mistake. I think what the NFL should do is something similar to what Major League Baseball did. If you want to have these playoff games at the home stadium of the team that's the higher seed. Okay, fine. But what I think they should do, you should have basically bubbles at the site of that stadium or at the you know, the city of. Yeah. I there should be bubbles. You know, I think it should be plural. So if you think about the, the bubbles, you know, if we could throw an S at the end of that, I think it would be a right on point here. There's not going to be one centralized bubble in the NFL. You're not going to have in the NFL what we had in the NBA. You're not going to Walt Disney world and having every playoff team there. That's ridiculous. Far too many people for that. What I think they should do is let's say the first weekend of NFL games. I'll just look at the seeds right now, right now, Buffalo would host Miami. Subject to change, but that's the 2-7 matchup, right? I think what should happen, Buffalo should be at their location throughout the week. We're not going home like the strength coach, the wide receivers coach, whoever who's got a family that might have their son or daughter go to school and they contract COVID and it, like you could just be sitting down eating dinner with your family and contract COVID and before you know it, maybe you have a starting quarterback who's out, you have a prominent player who's out. like it, it's a whole thing. So I think that the NFL they should have bubbles at the site of the city that that team is hosting that playoff game. I really think that should happen because otherwise you're just you're just hoping things work out. That's not an action plan. The NFL is basically crossing its fingers and saying, eh, hopefully it works out. And if it doesn't, well, that's on the team that doesn't follow the protocols. I don't think it's that simple. And without having an action plan or taking steps toward playoff bubbles, you are running the risk of something I call asterisk city. Like, what happens? These are legitimate what-ifs. What if Patrick Mahomes is out for a game because of contact tracing. What if the Chiefs lose that game? You're telling me that's not an asterisk? You're telling me, like, let's say the Bills beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game with Mahomes out or Andy Reid isn't coaching and it's their wide receivers coach who takes over, whatever the scenario is. Why on earth would you... You don't want that, so why wouldn't you take steps... Toward trying to prevent that. And the NFL hasn't done that. They're like, you know, we're not going to worry about playoff bubbles. Take a team like the 49ers. This is a good example. The 49ers are playing the Cardinals this weekend. The 49ers have basically been kicked out of their city. Right? Santa Clara, they're like, get out of here. Like, we don't want you around. And so the 49ers are like, oh, okay, I guess we'll go to Arizona and play our home games there. That's what I think it should be like in the playoffs where you set up your team headquarters. If you practice, you go to practice, you go back to the team headquarters. Like desperate times call for desperate measures. I think that you should just be in your NFL bubble like a legitimate bubble instead of going home every day like that I know it's a sacrifice I get it but I think that should be the setup for the NFL playoffs and it's not and I'm telling you they're playing with fire they're just hoping to get lucky by avoiding the whole COVID situation I'm gonna get out to the phones here momentarily but Brian Fenley is on board
7: our guy Big B to spin us around. What's going on, Brian Hey, what is going on, Brian? By the way, Chris played some Run the Jewels. I am actually related to LP via marriage, and that guy never returns my texts. And this is a true story. Now, you're going to have to break this down.
5: You're related? (laughs) Now, how are you related by
7: marriage? So it's a little bit extended, and it's through marriage. So my dad's first cousin, that cousin's husband, Right. That cousin's Dad, Hold on, I'm doing the math here. Your dad's first cousin, okay... Married a man. Uh-huh. His nephew was LP. Wow, there is... So it's a little bit extended, obviously. A bit of yeah. a reach. But LP did invite me to one of his events, I gotta say, 10 years ago. And it was in a small venue in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Really nice guy. I looked up to him a lot. And I just... From there, he just sort of ghosted me, and maybe that's where it happened. Oh, the term "ghosted" came from. But what I love dad, his son? music. I love I love his music, and I'm really glad that Chris played some of his stuff.
5: Yeah, I didn't know that qualified as a Christmas song. You know, it, it but has good on Christmas, Chris.
3: It has Christmas in the title. I can't say the full title on air. <laughs> it, it is, it, it, but it is a a Christmas something miracle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think we
7: can guess. Well, guys, let's jump right into the NBA. The Clippers, in the final game to finish on Christmas Day, flick away the Nuggets, 121-108. Kawhi Leonard reportedly needed eight stitches for a cut in his mouth following a nasty collision with teammate Serge Ibaka in the fourth quarter. Clippers head coach Ty Luce said, Leonard's going to be fine, guys. Everybody calm down. The Lakers skewer the Mavericks 138-115. LeBron James 22 points, three rebounds shy of a triple-double. He also airballed a free throw. The Nets petrify the Celtics 123-95. Kevin Durant scored 16 third quarter points to help propel Brooklyn to the lead for good. The Bucks take a chainsaw to the Warriors 138-99. to Milwaukee drilled 23 pointers. Steph Curry bricked eight of them. The Heat tattooed the Pelicans, 111-98. New Orleans New Orleans Pel's Josh Hart, clamored, quote, we made some defensive mistakes that we shouldn't have. Lack of communication. We've got to communicate better on the defensive end. Close quote. In the NFL, Alvin Kamara, an NFL tying six rushing scores as the Saints bulldoze the Vikings 52-33. New Orleans officially takes home the NFC South crown. Drew Brees did finish with 311 yards passing. He was picked off twice. Here's Vikes head coach, Mike Zimmer, coming to terms with this team being mathematically eliminated from the playoff picture.
4: I'm not trying to make excuses. It was embarrassing today, but we're missing uh, four defensive linemen. We're missing a safety. We're missing three uh, corners. We're missing six linebackers, I believe, from where we started. We're just a little under man, but that's still no excuse. These guys put on an NFL jersey. They got to play.
9: Hmm.
7: Brian, doesn't that dub Mike Zimmer hypocrite when he prefaces hmm. by saying, No excuses, but here is a laundry list of excuses, injuries, and this, and this, and this? Yeah. It makes no sense. It's a little rough. Like, I get it. Like,
5: sometimes these are reasons, they aren't just excuses, but the way he laid it out, exactly. it, just, <laughs> it doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah.
7: Brian, back to you. Good
5: stuff, Brian Fenley. There he is, Big B. Big B, are we going to have people pledge? Like, when do people pledge to become a Fenley fanatic or not? Does that happen
7: anytime? Well, Chris Plank acknowledged this, nope. its existence on the air a couple of days ago. Ben Maller thinks it's a, a, a fragment of my imagination, so I am open to it. It's a simple little catchphrase, and you are embedded into the brotherhood that is the Fenley Fanatic. So, I'm game. I think you should have um, you should have music for
5: that. You know, I think you should have a music bed. Okay, when somebody becomes a member
7: of the Fenley Fanatics, We're rising, our numbers are growing significantly. So much to a point, Brian Ben Maller is getting very jealous, mm. and he's getting a little bit insecure because there are some Maller militia members that are making the pledge and pulling away, not saying that. I mean, the Mallor militia is still humongous, uh-huh. but it's getting him a little bit nervous I, when he wears you. those socks with sandals. Ben Mallor's a trademark look on him.
5: Now, real quick, last thing I'll ask about this is it an either or type thing?
7: You can't be a member of the Maller Militia and be a Fenley fanatic? It's one or the other? It, it it can be both. I just like to have a fun little banter back and forth. There's a little grudge match between Ben Maller and I. He acknowledges that the Malheur Militia exists and that the Fenley fanatics don't. But okay. yes, I think generally speaking, Brian, <laughs> you can kind of dip into both for okay. sure.
5: All right. You can have a little bit of both. I like that. Hey, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, I'm going to go out to the phones here. Blind Seabass is in Nashville. Now, I used to live in Nashville. It's a great town. Love the town. And Blind Seabass has some thoughts for us. What's going on, Blind Seabass?
4: So, so if you used to live here, then uh, you heard about the, the bombing this morning, didn't you?
5: I did. I saw that on Twitter, yeah.
4: Yeah, it sucks. Uh, man, I hate it for our city. But, uh, no, you were asking, you know, who the MVP of the Saints was. And I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say it's Tyson Hill. Huh, uh, that's I mean, definitely or, a I limb, that's, man. <laughs> that's a- because, you know, Alvin Kamara, you know, he, he, he started out at Alabama and then he transferred out and then transferred into that school out east that I can't stand. And, you know, my school being Vanderbilt, you know, we smacked him around a lot. But, you know, their head coach was an idiot. But, you know, Taysom Hill, is, I think, is the MVP because Drew Reed's arm is is dead. Now, speaking of that, something that's made me really upset about the national media is why nobody is talking about my running back for the Tennessee Titans. And uh, I I am sorry about last week that our quarterback made your team look not like an NFL team. But come on, I mean, he's only 320 yards away from 2K. Only the seventh player ever to do this. Why is he not getting more love?
5: Well, I mean, he's getting love, but he's not getting MVP love, which is what I think you're getting at, because of Rodgers and Mahomes, right? That's the reason why. Those two guys have just been on another level. I, I Man, I get it. Derrick Henry is a flat-out beast. He's a great running back. But when you're, you know, uh, when your running mates or your uh, competition is Mahomes and Rodgers, like, yeah, it's, it's going to dip into your into your pub right there. It's a little bit like what Brian Fenley was talking about with the Fenley Fanatics and the Maller Militia, you know? If you're going up against, as, Fe- as Brian Fenley tries to gain momentum, like the Maller Militia is just stronger right now. So it's an uphill battle. Not saying he can't get there; it's just an uphill battle. There are more numbers that Brian Fenley is trying to compete against. It's similar with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the rock stars. Aaron Rodgers has thrown forty touchdown passes already. Like Mahomes has been insane this year. And look, quarterbacks the most important position. I like Seabass is probably is cursing me out right now he seemed like a very nice man I don't think he's cursing me but he's just like here we go again here we go again with the national media and Derrick Henry can't get any love I'm just saying this we always talk about quarterback being the most important position in football it's clearly not the only one but it's the most important so if you have a quarterback that's putting up elite production it's just gonna be more valuable that's the way it goes yeah, the the bombing thing, man. I read about that coincidentally this morning. I'm not. I'm proud of myself because I'm not exactly Mister Current Events, <laughs> and I, I didn't know exactly what he was talking about. It was like a uh, the authorities thought that uh, a bomb was put into a car on purpose, and there were pictures, and I, I don't know what part of town it was in, but it leveled part of the street. Hey, man, I hope everybody's okay. But yeah, that was wild. Absolutely wild. All right, coming up next because uh, blind sea bass hit on this. And I, I, listen, I'll, I'll get to it also with Taysom Hill. Listen, good change of pace guy. He's valuable to a point, but he's not. He's not their most valuable player. Who is? Who is the Saints' most valuable player? As the playoffs are just right around the corner, is it Alvin Kamara and his studly six touchdowns today? Is it somebody else? My answer, I I don't know. It might surprise you a little bit. I think you'll start to rage against it initially, but it is the right answer. I'll share it with you. Coming up, I'm Brian Though Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
2: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
1: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
2: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
1: There are some
0: things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express
10: call 1-800 gambler.
5: I'm Brian Noh here on Fox Sports Radio coming to you from the Geico Studios Jonas Knox out tonight. By the way, does he still get you guys lottery tickets? I know that's been a uh, a tradition from Jonas to get
3: his staff some lottery tickets. Does he still do that? Yep, we got we got uh, dollar scratchers. I made 2 dollars this year. 2 dollars. 2 dollars. Yep. Now, was this an uptick from last year? Is this your first year getting the lottery? So it's my second year, and actually, I think it was a downtick. I think I made like $12 last year. Ooh, all right. But then this year, yeah, Bershinger, KFig, they both got like, I think they they both got close to like $20, and I was left holding the bag for two.
5: So now now this is how my mind works because I just, I'm curious and I have all these sorts of questions. Now, have the dollar scratch offs been altered from year to year? Or is
3: this the same game that no? They're has different. Been going they're different on? games each year. Like okay. so, this one was kind of uh, formatted for Chinese New Year. That's coming up year of uh, the tiger. I think it is. Oh, I, I could okay. be wrong. I'm not up on yeah. my Chinese zodiac, but it was definitely uh, you know went up to eighty eight dollars California lottery. I mean eight hundred eighty eight dollars. Excuse me, California mm-hmm. lottery. So yeah, two dollars and uh, three free tickets. So I'll redeem those at some point.
5: Do you know off the top of your head? the staff member that hit for the most money over the years with Jonas doing this lottery tradition here.
3: So it's only, it was only my second year. Um, I I think just by seniority, it's probably Kevin figures. He's probably racked up the most just because he's been with them the longest.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I want to know at some point, like who hit for the biggest amount where it's just like, Oh man, 2017, K fig hit for and what's the amount? Was it 115 mm. bucks? I don't know. That's I, I. would like to know those numbers. You know, I'm curious like that.
3: But we'll two dollars. Have, to, we have get, to do some research, crack team research. Yeah. on the job here at Fox Sports Radio. I hope the numbers get boosted up
5: next year. You know, if you get the lottery tickets, we got to do better than two bucks here, Chris. Got to do yeah. better than that. It's uh, but uh, you know, got to pump those numbers up. Uh, got to. <laughs> Those are rookie numbers. Gotta pump those numbers up, man, for sure. Gotta pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. That's exactly right. One of the best movie scenes. Are you kidding me? Wolf of Wall Street with
3: uh McConaughey and uh DiCaprio, yeah. Yeah. Leo. Can't can't that really was... give the context to what kind of numbers McConaughey is talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's kinda hard
5: to provide that. Even Safe Harbor, I think it's hard to provide that,
3: right? But yeah, no, that would be a dump. Yeah, I think that can't, was I, he can't talk about that.
5: Yeah, Leo was still a square at that point in the movie. I So that was great. Just that dynamic of McConaughey, who's just like, you know, he's fully off the rails at that point. And, and Leo's just like, wait, wait, what? What? Like, you do that during work? That type of thing. It was great. Great scene. I
11: pumped those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers.
5: Absolutely. By the way, Mud, underrated movie. I don't know if people agree with me on that one. It's a slow burn. Very slow burn. Good movie. Good movie. Okay, let me get on track here. You got to the, the geese to keep the blood flowing. <laughs> That's right. With the Saints over here. I find this interesting because Alvin Kamara went nuts on Christmas Day. Six rushing touchdowns. Ties an NFL record. The fourth player to go for six touchdowns in a game. So it was insane. It's a great performance. And so it leads to this question. As the playoffs are right around the corner. Who is the Saints' most valuable player? Who is the main asset they have going into the playoffs? And it's going to be really easy to rank their actual MVP a lot lower than he should be. Okay? Let's look at their best players. Well, you have Kamara. You have Cameron Jordan. it's an outstanding defensive end. Drew Brees is still in the mix. Right? So if you start looking at their main guys, who do you have as the most valuable player? Some people might roll their eyes. Some people might say, what is this? Who, where's Jonas? Where is Jonas? <laughs> but the most valuable player of the Saints as we head into the playoffs, it's still Drew Brees. It's still Drew Brees. And I watch the game. I know that probably the first reaction would be like, this guy, what is this? Box score analysis? What is this guy talking about? He threw a couple of picks. The accuracy isn't pinpoint just yet. But good Lord, the dude just broke 11 ribs and punctured a lung. Give it a little bit of time. And you look at Breeze, his numbers this year, they've been good. They've been very good. I love this stat. Now, this is a couple of weeks old. But Drew Brees having missed five games last year, if you looked at the 16-game span, okay, From last year to this year. All right. So you subtract those five games he missed last year. When you get to 16 games, right, this is a couple of weeks ago. Drew Brees had 40 touchdown passes and four interceptions. Think about that for a season. Like, that's over the span of a season. We look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. That's basically what his numbers are. That's what Brees put up in a 16 game span. So if you're looking at Aaron Rodgers and his 40 touchdowns and four picks right now, Drew Brees had a span just like that over 16 games dating back to last season. So this guy, like, it's weird with Drew Brees because he's a quarterback where more times than not, the negative is focused on more than the positive. Because he set the bar so high. He became, on Christmas Day, the first quarterback to ever throw for 80,000 yards in his career. Nobody else has reached that milestone. So when Drew Brees has these career numbers that in some instances are the best of all time, the expectation level is through the roof for this guy. So if he looks less than extraordinary, like he did last week against the Chiefs when his first six passes were all incomplete, you get further away from thinking rationally like, well, you didn't have Michael Thomas who was an absolute stud last year and still is a stud. That kind of matters, you know? And also when you look at value, you have to look at who's next in line. The Saints... I think there's too much negativity with Taysom Hill, but but there's more of a drop off between Drew Brees and Taysom Hill than there is between Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. There just is. And also look at the the money. Like Drew Brees is making cash. Right? He's still one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Not, like, Cam Newton, just not just the position, Cam Newton's making like a million here. So, I still have Drew Brees as the MVP. Your thoughts, more than welcome. Coming up next, something awesome that happened from LeBron on Christmas, and something that's the opposite. Now, it was Beatdown City in the NBA. You had all these games where none of the games were within 10 points. The closest games we had, Clippers beat the Nuggets by 13, Heat beat the Pelicans by 13 points. Those were the close games. You also have the Lakers dusting Dallas by 23. Now, let me focus in on this game for a little bit. Because I want to look at LeBron James. So LeBron, it's funny, man, because LeBron twisted his ankle pretty badly in the season opener against the Clippers. And the conversation, he said right after the game, he was like, I'll be there for Christmas. I'll be good to go. I'll be ready. And he was. And I think what's weird with LeBron is we have it, I think, more so in the back of our heads with his durability over the years. But I think it should be at the front of our minds. Because this dude, to be as durable as he is, it's one of his greatest strengths. You always hear this, you can't help the club from the tub. Right? When you're inactive, you can't help the team. And it's incredibly rare for LeBron to be banged up to the point where he's missing significant action. I'll never forget. I could tell you stories upon stories about LeBron and his durability and playing through pain and all that stuff. But the one story that comes to mind is the Cavs. He was still in Cleveland. The Cavs were playing the Bulls in the playoffs. I don't remember which year it was, but it's like, I don't know, 2014-ish. Somewhere around there? I don't know. Something like that, right? And this dude, he he stepped on somebody's foot and he rolled his ankle. And I'm not kidding you. His ankle touched the floor. That's how badly he rolled it. Now, I grew up a Chicago Bulls fan. So I'm watching this game very closely and I'm like, oh, he's done. He's done. There's no way. LeBron basically tied his shoe tighter. And finish the game. And I believe it was the game where he hit the game winner in the corner. It was insane what he did. And I've just, I've seen that time and time and time again over the years. And we just saw it this year. He rolls his ankle in the opener against the Clippers. Then he plays on Christmas Day against Dallas. And is three rebounds shy of a triple-double. He goes for 22 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. It's insane what this guy can do just from a durability standpoint. Now, keep this in mind also. This is year number 18 for LeBron. And after the Lakers beat Dallas, he was talking about the number of minutes that he might get this season. Now again, think about this. Before you hear the sound, think about the lack of time between this season and last season. We had 71 days in between the Lakers' winning a championship, and starting the next season. Normally, it's double that. So this is half the offseason, and then we get LeBron saying this in terms of minutes. Check this out. There's a conspiracy in this league about my minutes needing to be looked at, and everyone just follows the track. No, I'm just
6: um, just—I'm messing around. Listen, whatever coaching the coach staff or you know, the players, I'm ready to do whatever. If, if coach wants to um, you know, limit my minutes early on the season, um, he can do that. if he wants to play me some games where it's a high to Be trying to win the ball, he can do that too.
5: Yeah. Okay. So he's open to anything. Now he might push a little bit behind the scenes and hey, hey, give me a little bit of rest here. Like we're playing the playing the Knicks tonight. You know, eh, you know twenty-two minutes sounds pretty good. Like <laughs> I feel like that. But this dude, he's built to to do whatever minutes wise, and it's. It's a testament to his preparation and like the durability is next level. It just is. And it's funny to me too because we hear about all this like load management that's the craze now. Look, I'm not going to give you a whole entire spiel on this, but the Cliff Notes version is there's absolutely something to load management. It is beneficial. I think the benefits are greatly exaggerated. There are a lot of people that make it sound like if you don't load manage, you're taking five years off your career easily. It's insane. I think it's just blown out of proportion. But you look at LeBron, all of the minutes, all of the seasons, all of the wear and tear, and this dude in his 18th year is still a machine. It's insane. Now, that's the good side. The bad side was he airballed the free throw. <laughs> that was on the other side of LeBron's performance. Airballed the free throw, but... You know, big deal at the end of the day when you win by 23 points and you dust Dallas on Christmas Day while playing on an ankle that is not exactly 100%. That's what he does, man. That's just how he gets down. I'm Brian No coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Now, let's stick in LA, right? We had Kawhi Leonard suffer a scary injury. He got elbowed accidentally by his teammate, Serge Ibaka, and he went down in a heap. That, to me, was the scariest thing. Like, You saw he was bleeding pretty badly from his mouth, got elbowed right in the chops. And so he's laying on the court, and you're like, oh my gosh, is this guy okay? It turned out he needed eight stitches in his mouth. He's fine. This was actually how it sounded on ESPN. Uh, they had the call of this accidental elbow. Check this out.
7: Kawhi Leonard is down. And as you can see, bleeding quite a bit and being tended to by the Clippers training staff.
5: Yeah, man, it didn't look good. And like I said, the way he fell, it was almost like he was knocked out cold. I don't think that was the case, but he fell like he just crumbled to the floor. And uh, he didn't land straight on his knees. He kind of landed on the side. But it was just a scary way that he fell to the floor. He missed the the end of the game. Clippers still pulled it out by 13 points against Denver. But he avoided any serious injury. It was a scary moment. It was uh, it was not a good scene over there. But he's going to be just fine. He's fine. And uh, the Clippers, like, here's the thing with the Clippers. I think that. It's almost like a college football type thing. Hear me out on this. I think that a lot of the evaluations of these NBA teams, it's tied too much to the previous season. Like the Clippers, we get it. It was an embarrassing end to the season last year. Losing a 3-1 lead against Denver, losing three straight games, going home, not even making it to the conference finals. It was embarrassing. But it's like, the Clippers are looked at like, eh, I don't know about them, man. I don't know if you can completely buy into the Clippers. And the Lakers, it's just like, oh, man, they're in a league of their own. They're just the separation between the Lakers and everybody else. It is obvious. Like, I don't think that's the case at all. It's like, how many times do we see this in the history of the NBA? This isn't going to be just like, oh, man, make a promo out of this immediately. You talk about groundbreaking radio. When Brian Noah was filling in for Jonas Knox, holy cow, did he hit a grand slam with this thought. Here's the thing, though. This is the truth. Sometimes teams just flat-out play better from one year compared to the other year. It's, it's how it goes. Like Sometimes you don't have this blockbuster deal in the summer that is – the reason why all of a sudden you took that monstrous step forward. Sometimes you just play better. Good example. Lou Williams was terrible in the bubble. He was not good in the playoffs. Lou Williams is still a bucket getter. Do you think that Lou Williams is going to be that same disappointing player every single series come playoff time going forward? I don't think so. I don't. So, I think that we're tied too much to the previous season. Like, I do radio in Portland, right? So, I'll give you a real uh, quick assessment here. So, two years ago, the Blazers made it to the Western Conference Finals. That was the year when Dame had the series ending walk off 37 footer against the Thunder. They won that series, they beat the Nuggets in seven games, they made it to the conference finals. Then he got swept by the Warriors. But the point is this. Blazer fans were just drunk on optimism heading into last season. Where it was like, they thought of the previous year getting to the Western Conference Finals. Like, that's the beginning point. Right? Like, automatically, you're beginning at that stage. And then if you add a couple of pieces, well, well hey, we can challenge for a championship right now. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like building blocks from the previous season. Sometimes you regress greatly. And the Placers ended up getting, it was a gentleman sweep in the first round, right? Like, it doesn't work like that. So it's the same type of thing with, name your team. The Nuggets. Nuggets made it to the Western Conference Finals. That isn't the beginning place for this season. It doesn't mean that they're going to automatically start there and then, All right, if they're playing better, then yeah, they might make it to the finals. No, 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 man. They might lose in the first round. So for the Clippers, I think they are undersold. I do. I think that you can't bake on Kawhi and Paul George being complete no-shows in a game seven. I wouldn't bank on that being commonplace going forward. And when I said it's a little bit like college football, I won't go into a whole thing here, but... Let's take Ohio State. If Ohio State didn't have a good year last year, we're talking about 2019, if they weren't in the college football playoff, if they lost, let's say, four games, I don't know that they're in the college football playoff this year. You know? And I think that's weird. Like, I think that sometimes we're tied too much to the previous season when we're evaluating teams or just... You know, how we basically appraise a team. Like, what is their value? What are their capabilities? I think a lot of it has too much to do with the previous season. I'm not saying it doesn't apply. I just think that we blow it out of proportion. Last thing I'll say on this, think of the Lakers. Think of the conversation about the Lakers before they won a championship and the conversation now after having won a championship. It is night and day. <laughs> like, when the bubble started, the Lakers were a hot mess. And it was just like, oh, this team. its Yeah, LeBron and AD, but man, you got this collection of just random dudes. This this weird roster. And then they ended up winning a championship. And now, heading into this season, it's like, oh, they're in a tier of their own. Everybody else just clearly chasing the Lakers. They, the separation factor is just obviously... Really? It doesn't make sense to me. I think that the Lakers are being overrated. And don't get that mix, uh, mixed up. They're still the team to beat. I still think they're the best team in basketball. But I think they are overrated. When you talk about they're in a tier of their own. They're in a class of their own. Like I, I don't think they're that far ahead of the teams that are chasing them. And I think the Clippers are undersold. I really do. I think that's what we're looking at. All right, your thoughts Always welcome here. 877-99-ON-FOX is your phone number. Also on Twitter, at The No Show, is where you can reach out to me. All right, coming up next, from the Geico Studios. Oh, man. Oh, man. I love this story. You know, it's not the franchise that you would think immediately is dysfunctional. But there's a good amount of dysfunction. I'll share that with you. I'm Brian Though Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio.
10: terms and conditions apply
5: I'm Brian though here on Fox Sports radio coming to you from the Geico Studios remind me to circle back to this music for a second here props to Chris uh, but I want to stay focused here it's time for the Geico play of the day do you own or rent your makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance it's a good thing too because having a home is hard work go to geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save geico.com easy. Today's Geico Play of the Day comes to us courtesy of the Saints Radio Network. Here it is.
6: Handoff goes to Kamara looking for space on the right side towards the goal line. Touchdown, Alvin Camara. Mama, there go that man again. So
2: Alvin Kamara with his sixth rushing touchdown of the game ties the most
6: ever in an NFL football game, Ernie Nevers back in 1929.
5: Wow. Yeah, the call is interesting there for the Geico play of the day. The sixth touchdown in a game. It doesn't happen very often, right? <laughs> and The call was like, there it is. Alvin Kamara, sixth touchdown. Well, I think it speaks it speaks to how much of a study he is. Where it's just like, eh, there he goes again. What do you know? Another touchdown. Crazy. You know? I think when you're nonchalant, it's like, yeah, we've seen this before. Maybe not to that degree, but we've seen his studliness on on display before. Great performance by Alvin Kamara. There's no doubt. Now I said I wanted to s- uh, circle back to the music. Chris, who is uh, the technical producer this evening, like you, you love you some uh, some heavier music, right? I, I do. Just, I had this vision of you just driving in your car in Southern California, and I'm like, what would that consist of? I know it. It includes heavier music but what is your mood What is, are you just kind of like pumping your fist while you're in your car are you yelling along with the lyrics I'm curious what this picture looks like you know
3: uh, sometimes that is absolutely what it is. Sometimes I like driving home with a podcast just to try to, you know, I want to, I want to kind of fill my brain when I'm going in, but when I do put on music. Yeah. I want to go hard. I want to listen to some Refused or I want to listen to some Run the Jewels or uh, a lot of, a lot of heavy metal. I, I mean, I got started in this whole business because my, my college, I ran a heavy metal radio show. I grew up as a punk rock kid. I just, yeah, man, I, I what keep was the music- heavy metal show called? It was called the Edge. I didn't pick the The name. It was actually it had actually been running for about ten years Uh through different DJs at that college. So it was me and my friend, and we got to we. No one picked it up after us. Everyone wanted to do indie rock, so we were the last DJ hosts of the Edge. You know. I kinda like it, but
5: I can't help but the U uh,
3: help but think of the U2 guitarist, you know? Yeah, it's it's a generic or I think of, you know, the WWE wrestler. It's a generic name. Yeah, right. Oh it's man, nuts. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's been a while since I uh Yeah, I remember seeing The
5: Edge as a wrestler for sure. Yeah. Um I had a show in college for a year, metal show. I've had a couple of metal shows, but the show that I did was In the Pit.
3: Huh? How about that for a <laughs> metal show? Yeah. It was a funny little show because he was really into like European death metal, which sounded really different. And I wanted that, you know, southern heavy metal sludge, guys from Atlanta like Mastodon or Baroness. And so it, it clashed and it was really cool. It but, was a it was a unique blend over there. Well, yeah. It's good. And you, I like you the obviously metal roots. you like the thrash. Yeah. You like your Metallica and Anthrax and Slayer and Yeah, I mean listen, Anthrax has some good songs,
5: but uh yeah, I'm more of like the Lamb of God, uh, Slayer, that type of stuff. Old school Sepultura, very good. We could have metal conversations for days. I swear, one of these shows, I need to bust out the axe. Like I'm home, I've got like the first guitar I ever used. So I restrung it, and I saw a practice amp sitting around, and I saw a pedal. I don't know if there's a chord. I swear, I'm just going to... I'm just going to jam on the show one of these
3: times. Please you don't. Know? You might blow out the Comrex if you do that. <laughs> no, no, it'd be fine. It'd be
5: totally fine. Cr- i just kind of crank it up in the background. Maybe do a little name that heavy metal riff. It could be great. And Maybe that could replace just for the time being, like not for good. But if I'm ever, ever filling in for Jonas, I'm not trying to steal his bit. With, you know, pro wrestler or porn star, you know, we'll just do name that heavy metal I was going
3: to say, like, when Andy Furman introduces you on Furman and no, you just have to start playing the first notes to smoke on the water or something. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I don't think Andy would fare well in that game. Like, uh, name this Metallica riff. I, I don't know that Andy would be. Uh, no, his music. He
3: He stopped listening to music in 1959. Yeah, yeah, I know.
5: Uh, by the way, here, let me get to the phones. Mike is over in L.A., and he's got a thought on some hoops. Let's get to that. Mike, you're on Fox Sports Radio. What's going on, man?
8: Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, I was wanting to hit on your for your point as a Laker fan. reason why I want to take them seriously is because they're all hyped and they they don't deliver. Uh, they still haven't gotten out of the second round, and you've added two elite players. And to me, Paul George isn't a star, and that's why I was funny listening all throughout the whole last year, all these critics and analysts who follow and closely talk about how uh, they're going to overtake the Lakers. If they're the best team on them. No, they're not. Paul George, to me, is a, is a pretty good player, but he's not elite. And as good as Kawhi is, they're not gonna, still not going to beat the Lakers. And I don't even think they pr- present the toughest challenge. I think, to me, Denver is still a tougher challenge. I know the series went five games, but if you watch the series last year, they were a lot closer, and they needed Anthony Davis, buzzer-feeder, Denver really challenged them. I think Utah always gives them fits, and I put the the Clippers fourth, so there's still not going to be difference. If the Lakers lose, I'm not saying they're going to go back-to-back. I think they're going to lose to one of the teams that come out of the East. I I don't think anybody's going to knock them out in the West. But finally, I just don't think the nonsense the Clippers got going on. Uh, LeBron's the biggest megastar in all of sports, and he doesn't even pull the nonsense they have with the Kawhi, the load management, when practice, go on the plights. Kawhi maybe can get away with it, but Paul George, a lot of those guys on that Clipper team don't respect them. So, a lot of Mark that, Red, though, Mike. A couple like, of guys.
5: Let me say this real quick. I'll let you respond, though. Um, Go ahead. I think a lot of that is overblown as far as preferential treatment and the reaction from the players and all that stuff. I think that's grossly overblown. Like a lot of this stuff is like the Clippers had a three-one lead. If it was that bad, how did they get a three-one lead to begin with? You know. Like there's preferential treatment with a lot of players in the NBA. And yeah, you might occasionally have a teammate look sideways at or, a, but it's made into this, oh, this is why they crumbled and that's why they fell apart at the seams. I just don't buy it. I think it's a lot of it is completely overblown.
8: What Doc Rivers say? Who's, who's too classy to call him out? But I don't think a lot of guys on that roster respect Paul George and the way he carries himself because he carries himself like he's a superstar and he's not. And let's be, quite frankly, let's be honest. I don't think they ever wanted Paul George, but to, to, to sign, uh, remember, to get the only way they can get Kawhi is he said to make a trade and to get Paul George. And at this point, I wouldn't have given the deal, but you give up what seven picks and you're screwed, your future-wise. And the last point is, remember, Kawhi can opt out of this year. So, And the way he operates, nobody knows. He's so unpredictable. It's not like he's going to come back to the Clippers that next year, uh, re-sign. He can go somewhere else, and you're going to be stuck with Paul George and nothing. So if you're the Clippers, you're screwed long term. Thanks for the time, man.
5: Yeah, man. Thanks for checking in. I see it differently in terms of Paul George being a star. I agree. He's not a superstar. But he's a star. He's an all-star player. Right? You're not giving a guy... What did he sign for? Over 220 million, whatever the number was. Like, you're not giving a guy that much money if he isn't a star player. And I get it. I understand. Trust me, I do. Where it's a package deal. Like, you had to get Paul George to get Kawhi Leonard. So he was part of that. But, like, he still is a star player. Now, don't get me wrong. He's come up way short in the playoffs. And I get why some people would point to that and be like, see, that's why he's not a star player. I look at it differently. Where Paul George, he has come up short far too many times. But he's been an asset many other times as well. And it's been glossed over because of what most recently happened. And he was brutal. He was four for 16 in a game seven when it mattered most. And that's what stuck with people in their minds of what he didn't do really in the bubble Come playoff time, but you're not giving a guy that much money if he isn't a star. You're not doing that. Like you're giving Damian Lillard that type of money because he's a star. Dame's a superstar. Um, you're giving who else got a huge contract extension? There've been a few guys that you know. You're not giving a a Paul George. You're not giving a Giannis that type of money if they aren't star players, right? Like Paul George is still a star. Uh, You can't say he's just a role player. He's better than that. He's much better than that. But because he came up short in the playoffs, I think sometimes he's being undersold. I got to see more in the playoffs from him. There's no doubt. But uh, I just, I don't know, man. I think that uh, you go by what you last saw a lot of times. And he didn't get it done. And uh, I think that he's being undersold heading into this season. But time will tell. Time will tell if that's correct or not. I would compare it like this. Last thing I'll say. Very chatty tonight. You know, I'm all wound up. Look at Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a star player. But what if there was a similar scenario that you're seeing with the Clippers? What if, let's say KD, and I understand it's completely different, but just let's do a hypothetical here. What if KD was in a situation contractually where he could leave this next season like Kawhi could. And you're just left with Kyrie Irving. Is that a good situation to be in? No. Does that mean that Kyrie is no longer a star? No, it doesn't. It's just, he's not that type of leader. He's not that type of baller that's just going to take you to the promised land by himself. I think that's where Paul George is. I think it's comparable. But just because Paul George isn't doing that, he actually came close in Indiana when he was the main guy. But just because he isn't doing that doesn't mean he's no longer a star. I think we start doing this thing like, if you're not LeBron, you're not a star. Is it like, no, no, you could still be a star player. Look at Anthony Davis. What did he do with the Pelicans? Right? It didn't mean he wasn't a star. So I look at Paul George similarly. That's just me. All right, let's get out to Brian Fenley. He is patiently waiting, he's like a pro wrestler. Maybe he's like the edge with his long mane, and he's waiting. He's over the turnbuckle, like, tag me in. No, tag me in. He's just reaching as far as he can, and I'm just like, give me five more minutes, Big i I'm
7: finally tagging you in, Brian Fenley. What should we know in sports? What should we know? What we should know is that the Clippers, guys, domesticate the Nuggets on what is it now Friday night or at least that was when Christmas day was 121-108 Kawhi Leonard receiving eight stitches for a gash on his mouth after colliding with teammate Serge Ibaka in the fourth quarter a gory scene with blood gushing from Leonard's face the Lakers crumple up the Mavericks 138 115. LeBron James 22 points. He was three rebounds shy of a triple double and notably airballed a free throw in the third quarter. Pulled an inner Brian No from the free throw line. The Nets. Uh, wow. <laughs> the Nets step on the Celtics 123 95. Kevin Durant had 29 and 16 of those came in the third quarter when Brooklyn was able to take the lead for good. The Bucks demonized the Warriors 138-99. Milwaukee made 23 pointers. Steph Curry had 19 points, but went 2 of 10 from long range. Also, the Heat dominate the Pelicans 111-98. Duncan Robinson canning seven three-pointers. In the NFL, the Saints secure the NFC South for a four-straight year after filleting the Vikings 52-33. Thanks, Man. Yeah. Ousting Minnesota for for them, they have no shot at a playoff spot anymore. New Orleans running back Alvin Kamara, six rushing touchdowns, ties a single game record. After the game, Minnesota quarterback Kirk Cousins fires off a cliche-ridden response to the team's shortcomings.
5: You just get ready for Detroit, try to finish the season strong, you know, put your best foot forward uh, next Sunday, and then, um, you know, get to work in the offseason. I mean, I, I uh, believe that uh, with the number of young players we have playing, that that bodes really well for the future. I think there's a lot to be uh, encouraged about there.
7: Hmm. I think I counted six cliches at there least. Were a lot. Yeah. I was trying to count the last sentence. Okay. It really wasn't a cliche, but very much player speak, yeah. you know? Yeah. Also, Brian, and even Chris P. very interesting musical choices, both of you guys. So contrasting Uh to what I am used to. What do you get down with, Brian Fenley? Let let
3: me me guess. Michael Bublé. (laughs) Oh, gosh.
7: (laughs) Well, actually, you guys wouldn't think this, but when I was in college, I know Chris was talking about how he had a death metal radio show. I did an EDM show, so I was basically Mm. the pregame show Saturday nights from 7 to 10. We also had freestyle rappers come on the show. We had a a ton of fun, man, but I'm all about that chill trance music. You know when you're sitting by the pool, maybe sipping on something sweet, and
3: listening to some nice beat in the
7: background,
3: just something upbeat. I like some EDM, too. I think my first year I actually did something, although it was kind of older, like, you know, Crystal Method... Kind of stuff, oh, you know, yeah. the harder, harder sure. uh, EDM. Not is not, this not not like glow entry. stick? Glab, grab your glow sticks, EDM, or how would you classify is, is he, it? You're,
7: you're, are you a house guy, Fenley? So I am more of a chill trance guy. So Show house, guy. but very low key, like Tisto. Uh-huh. Like Nora and Pure, and that's probably the one and only time that she will ever be mentioned on Fox Sports Radio, (laughs) but but shout out to her. So it's basically like, let's say in normal times, if if Brian Doe was throwing a party, he had a pool and he's looking for something that's kind of catchy, that's not going to over dominate as far Uh as you talking to friends, but it's a cool, chill, upbeat. Sort gotcha. of tune which has a little bit of flavor to it, not quite glow sticks, not not rage, no,
5: yeah, a little not, laid back, yeah, little exactly. Laid back. I'll give you a quick story, Brian Fenley. Yeah. You'll
7: love this if you
5: love the EDM. So, I worked at this bar/slash nightclub years ago, okay, back here in South Bend, Indiana. I was saving up my money so I could come out to LA, that's a true story, yeah. but but anyway, I was working at this bar/slash nightclub and they would play, they had all kinds of different themes. But one night, they would play, it was a lot of kind of house-sounding music. And the joke I had, I didn't know why, but every song would have the breakdown. And I would call it the fog breakdown, where the beat is just kind of like, mm, 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 and then it would stop. And you would just get, like, the synthetic keys and all that. And that that was the time where it's like, bring in the fog, yeah, drop the fog, and then the beat would come back when the fog was at its peak right there. They did that all the time. I found it very funny.
7: And I know Brian, you were breaking it down on the dance floor like <laughs> no one I could have ever known because knowing me, I was more of the wallflower but that's another lifetime to talk about. Yeah, good stuff
5: Brian Finley. Good stuff. <laughs> I like learning more things about you. There you go. Uh, laid back EDM. Did not know that. Hey, welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or a call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I owe you stuff. We'll get to this coming up next from the Geico Studios. It's a franchise you wouldn't initially label dysfunctional but there are a decent amount of dysfunctional things associated with the franchise. I'll tell you who that is coming up. I'm Brian Noe, and for Jonas Knox. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Brian Noe here on Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Now, is this the chill music that Brian Fenley is talking about? I don't picture... Duncan Robinson canning. It. Yeah, Brian Fenley sipping on... What did he say? Sipping on something sweet... By the yeah, pool. Yeah, this is not sweet. Yeah, this is. Uh, it initially now it sounds like uh, Depeche Mode or something, right? Like <laughs> it initially I'll sounded have like in something. Depeche Mode later. This is a weird uh, movie reference, but you ever see the movie Smoking, Smoking Aces? Not no G Smoking mm. Aces. You ever see that? I have not. Yeah, it's not something that you want to rush right out and see, but the the basic premise is. Um, there were all these bounty hunters
3: that were chasing the same guy, right? Oh, you know what? I think I've heard of this movie, yeah. Yeah. It's an old, like an older... It's not a Western, is it? No.
5: Okay. No, it's not a Western. There's like uh, Ben Affleck is in it. Alicia Keys is in
3: it. Common. I've heard of this oh. movie, yeah, yeah.
5: Common. Yeah, I love when uh, Common appears in a movie. I thought Common was actually very good in that movie. But anyway, you have all these bounty hunters, they're hunting the same uh, target, right? And then you, you had these dudes. I don't know where they were from. They were like from uh, London or something, but it was like this this trio, and they were like these punk dudes. And so anytime these punk dudes showed up, they would play music that was a little bit like that last song started out. And then it transitioned to Depeche Mode. I don't know how that happened. And I was like, let's go for a punk vibe right here, guys, and then let's just sort of out of nowhere... Turn to Depeche Mode. Okay, cool. Sorry, sorry for that, but it reminded me of Smoking Aces.
11: Very underrated movie.
5: Are you a movie buff, Kevin O'Connell?
11: I love movies, of course. Love
5: movies as well. Yeah, and that's a you're... very underrated movie. It, it's it's pretty good, right? Like it's nothing you would recommend and be like, oh my gosh, you've got it. To... You haven't seen that, you wouldn't say that, but you're like, it's. It's actually pretty decent. There's some really good scenes in that thing.
11: It really is. It's uh, very entertaining, and it's a great cast, too.
5: Yeah. Uh, you remind me of Lee Robert the IV a little bit, Kevin O'Connell, and I mean that as a compliment because Lee, who is also a producer at Fox Sports Radio, big, big into movies. He's absolutely a movie buff. This is good. We should talk about this a little bit later in the show, you know? <laughs> okay, perfect. We'll, we'll do our breakdowns on a number of movies and maybe shows. I, I'm assuming you've seen Breaking Bad, right, Kevin? I've seen... You might be disappointed here. I, I've oh, seen man. parts of the first season.
11: I kind. I almost got all the way through it. And I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of got over it.
5: Oh, man. Really? Wow. Hey, Okay. I say that because uh, Chris earlier, this is off the air, he was like, yeah, I haven't haven't seen Breaking Bad. Now, that's a show I'm like, what? You haven't seen it? I think it's even worse because you gave it a shot. And in the first season, you're like, I'm tapping out. I'm really not into it. Not my thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I
11: should have stuck with it because I kind of felt like that on Game of Thrones, too. And I stuck with that and that ended up you know, being great. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like the same story. And uh, maybe it's because I'm so far behind. I just don't want to play catch up either. Because I just started, that hey, hey. was like last year when I first started watching it.
5: I'll say this real fast and I'll get to the team that um, is a little more dysfunctional than you might think. But uh, I was like that with Game of Thrones. I heard from a lot of my friends like, oh, dude, watch the first five episodes. You'll be hooked, hooked. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I checked out the first five and I'm like, not hooked at all. Not at all. And I didn't even bother. I'm like, it's just not my thing with gold shanks of the east and silver shanks of the west, and I like, it's not my thing. And then I ended up later on watching the whole thing and liking it a lot. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So maybe if you gave it another go, you'd be into it more with Breaking Bad. I don't know, Kevin. All right,
11: all right. Maybe I, uh, I'll I'll give it another shot then. Yeah. All
5: right. There you go. All right. All right. Let's get into this. There's a franchise, they're not known for being dysfunctional, but there's a decent amount of dysfunction with them. I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because if you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, the wide receiver, he's no longer dancing before games. No longer making TikTok videos at midfield <laughs> on the opposing team's logo. It's not going to happen anymore the dancing on logos it is officially dead and what's funny to me is mike tomlin who's a good head coach he's known as this no nonsense he sounds almost like a like a drill instructor right he sounds like a sergeant in the army or something like that where he's just you know no excuses wasn't good enough got to tighten it up like that's mike tomlin yet Juju Smith-Schuster has been making TikTok videos on the opposing team's logo. And then, of course, you have all the Antonio Brown stuff from years ago where it's the Facebook Live video, it's this, it's that. It's weird, right? Like, Mike Tomlin is known as this gruff, no-nonsense guy, but he lets a lot of nonsense slide longer than it should. Like the things with AB, I thought he let a lot of it slide. And that's partially why it continued. Now, we've seen after AB was done with the Steelers, well, his dramatic ways have followed him around with the Raiders. Like, right, we've seen that. So I'm not going to put it all on Mike Tomlin. But this Juju Smith-Schuster dancing craze is a good example because Juju did this against the Bills. There were Bills players that said it motivated them. And then Juju did it the very next week against the Bengals and Von Bell, who was the safety, who lit up Juju Smith-Schuster and caused a fumble. He said it was disrespectful. And he said the defense had to, quote, hit him and let him know where he stands, end quote. Right? So this is something that motivated the opposing team. And I don't know why Mike Tomlin waited until after the Bengals game to address it and be like, yeah, it's more of a respect thing. Like, it's weird. It's weird. And here's the larger picture. I think that. When a team is successful, they're no longer viewed as dysfunctional. And I would disagree with that. I think that there have been very successful teams that are also dysfunctional. Take the 80s Raiders. I know it's very dated. They won three Super Bowls in the 80s. This is something Howie Long, former Raider, said about those Raiders' teams of the past. This is a great quote. Check it out.
6: We were a dysfunctional group
4: that thought dysfunction was. (laughs)
5: Function. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes of all time. They were so dysfunctional. They thought that was normal. They, they thought that being dysfunctional and having some wild personalities and some players that are doing some wild things. They thought that was the norm. That's that was normal to them. Think about the Colts. They want a Super Bowl. Jim Ursay has been a disaster as an owner in terms of not having his business in order, right? Like, you can be very successful while dysfunctional at the same time. It's happened before. And the Steelers have had a lot of success in spite of some of their dysfunction. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios, the the demise of this player has been greatly exaggerated. That's on the way. Oh, lots to do. Lots to do. You know, we're going to talk some sports, obviously. But I also have to weigh in on uh, a few things related to Christmas. I'm writing it down in my list right now Eggnog, a Christmas story. You know, maybe I'll tie it to sports somehow, some way. I'll do that in this segment a little bit later. A little later. I know you're on the edge of your seat, I realize. But uh, let's, let's stay focused here at the beginning here. All right. So, um, Kevin Durant. Uh, let me uh let me speak about Kevin Durant here for a couple of minutes. What we heard about KD leading into this season, I I thought there was a lot of ridiculous talk. Right? Where Kevin Durant, he's coming off the Achilles injury and I get that there is some doubt, there were some questions, but when you hear this Ad nauseum, when a lot of basketball fans are saying, oh, you have an Achilles injury, you're never the same. You're never the same. I hear that all the time. And it just didn't make sense with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is, what, a seven-footer who is a bucket getter. The dude will just shoot over you in your face steadily. <laughs> He's not a guy. I could see if it was, think about Derrick Rose back in the day. When he was named league MVP, and he used just athletic ability and explosion, he looked like Adrian Peterson, a young Vikings running back, just running through the hole. Now Adrian Peterson just ran violently. That's how Derrick Rose attacked the rim. And so when he tore his ACL, and he was just never the same guy. If Kevin Durant used his athleticism similarly... And a big portion of his game was just attacking the rim. Think about Zion Williamson, where he's developing his outside shot. Or Ben Simmons, who doesn't have any outside shot. How they use their athletic ability, their size, to just create buckets. Like, that's not Kevin Durant. He can attack the rack, don't get me wrong, but that isn't the bulk of his game. He's a guy, think about Jordan, how he changed his game later in his years, where he wasn't as athletic and he turned into a jump shooter. Like Kevin Durant has always had that aspect of his game. So this thought of, oh man, you're never the same when you rupture or tear an Achilles, never the same. I think just that first part of it is blown out of proportion. Because there's a big difference between not quite reaching your same level going forward and just falling off the freaking grid. That was never going to be the case with KD. Never going to be the case. Because of his style of play and his skill level. Like Even if he didn't have the same explosion or the same athletic ability... He's still gonna just drain Jays in your face steadily. And so you saw K D against the Boston Celtics score twenty nine points. Now I say all these things and just it, it dawned on me that Kevin O'Connell, who is producing this show, is a diehard Celtics fan. And he's probably like leaning over talking to Chris like, I just wish he would change subjects, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but the Brooklyn Nets smoked Boston 123-95. to And I'll say this again. There's reason, there's good reason for optimism with the Brooklyn Nets. The mixture of KD and Kyrie with a deep roster, I like their depth. I do. They've got guys. Karis LeVert can play. Joe Harris, good role player. I mean, you just have guys like Jared Allen and You throw in DeAndre Jordan for a handful of minutes here, and they're like, they've got a good roster. And I look at KD and Kyrie. Kyrie is a star that needs supervision, basically. Right? Like, he is not the number one option. Right? Like, he's not a guy who's going to lead a team to the promised land being the number one option and just leading by example. And lessening the drama and just keeping the team focused. That's not him. That's not him. He needs a Batman to keep him focused, right? And so to have Kevin Durant, I think it's a great compliment for Kyrie Irving. So I like this mixture. I think there's real reason for optimism. But I'll say it again. When you truly should buy in to the Brooklyn Nets is if they can... Keep the drama to the side when they hit a lull in the season. If they lose a couple of games, if they get blown out, and they still just take it in stride, Like that hasn't been what we've grown accustomed to with Kyrie Irving. right? Kyrie Irving will start drama when things are going well. It might be the offseason, and he's like, yeah, we might have coached by committee. It might be me one night. It might be KD the other night. Like, we... We're not necessarily a team with a, a head coach. It's like, what, what are you saying right now? You're just starting stuff. Yeah, I finally got a, a guy, a teammate that can knock down a clutch shot over here. What? You had LeBron. Like He's just saying things that create headlines, that create conversation, and can cause a team to lose focus. And we're talking about all this other stuff, and we're not focused on what we need to do to win games, right? Like, that's happened before with Kyrie. When he was in Boston, and they were losing a few games, and all of a sudden he's throwing his young teammates under the bus, saying they don't know what it takes to win. We've seen this before with Kyrie. And so I think that they have a lot of potential this season. And I like their firepower. But all I'm saying is this I won't truly buy into the Brooklyn Nets until they hit a lull, things are going badly, and they just take it in stride. You know, it's like right now, this is the honeymoon phase. You don't go on your honeymoon and say, oh man, like uh, it's clearly the partner for me. Like when things are great, you don't really learn about your partner, right? It's the same thing with the team. You don't really learn about your team until they go through something that's really bad, right? Maybe they lose a key playoff series. Maybe they hit a lull in the regular season. That's when you find out about your team. You find out about people during bad times. Who has your back? Who doesn't? You know? It's one thing if you say, hey, man, I'll give you 20 bucks to take me to the airport. It's like, all right, cool. Like, that's not a problem. But if it's like, hey, man, can you drop me off at four in the morning? There's no money in it for you at all. That's when you find out about people, you know? So it's the same thing with Kyrie Irving. We haven't found out anything about Kyrie. They just smoked the Celtics by 28. Yeah, everything's going to be great. Everything looks good. They're winning games. Everything's fine. That's, they're on their honeymoon right now. I want to learn about the Nets when they lose four straight. If they get blown out by 25 points and follow it up with a 17-point loss, right? Like, that's when I want to see if Kyrie has matured and he's not pointing fingers and causing drama. But that is going to tell a lot more about how far their season might go this year uh, than, you know, a Christmas Day game where they walk to a win against Boston. I'm Brian No. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Now, I'm going to get to football here. We've got some interesting games tomorrow. And week 16, man, there are some sexy matchups. Sexy. Right? When we get the NFC West up for grabs with the Seahawks and the Rams. And I love the Sunday night game with the Titans and Packers. I'll get to that. In about 10 minutes. I want to look forward to that. But there's another player while I'm talking hoops that I want to bring up. Steph Curry. So Steph Curry, as Brian Fenley has been telling you in the uh, updates, he clanged eight threes, right? And the Warriors got blowed out. That's right. I know it's blown, but it was so bad they got blowed out. It was brutal. They lost by 39 points against the Bucks. 39 and I realize Draymond's out and he's banged up right now, but, and it's only the second game for the warriors this season, but just consider this without clay Thompson with some young guys in the mix with some new guys in the mix. It's going to take some time and it also looks like it could be a very damaging season to the reputation of one Steph Curry. If you're just using a little bit of foresight, like think about this. If the Warriors, if they're a non-playoff team, do you realize how many people are going to come out of the woodwork and just be like, oh, this guy, he's not a difference maker. I can just hear people with their gravelly voices warming up in the green room. You know, it just seems like that's where we're headed. And depending on the season plays out, There will be some legitimate criticisms of Steph Curry. Let's just say they're a non-playoff team. But I think it's going to get blown out of proportion. I don't know what it is. It's weird because I think that Steph Curry and Tom Brady share something in common here. People love when those guys fail. It's strange to me. I don't get it. I'm not in that camp. I don't understand why it's like, Christmas came early, like, oh, right, Tom Brady forgot what down it was. Ah, (laughs) like a Christmas laugh. (laughs) It's just glee all over the place. I don't get it. I really don't. One of the all-time greats. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And not to try to fire you up on a, uh, like your Christmas after party here, but I've got Tom Brady as the greatest player of all time. Like, quarterback's the most important position. He's the most decorated. He's won six Super Bowls. It's not Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is a great football player. Greatest football player of all time is Tom Brady. Whether you agree with that or not, put it to the side. I still don't understand the utter glee. Like, I get that you might want somebody new in there, some fresh blood, okay, Tom Brady says some things that maybe you roll your eyes at. You're like, oh, my gosh, here we go again with this guy. But I, I just I don't understand the utter happiness it causes and the rooting interest that people have to see him fail. But best believe there are a lot of those same people that feel the same way about Steph Curry. Some of his peers, a lot of his peers are like, eh, Steph, eh. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. There's two great, great players. But I can see it. I can see if the Warriors have this, you know, rocky season, I think that Steph Curry's reputation is going to take a, a significant hit. I think there will be a lot of people that will be uh, blowing his lack of impact out of proportion. But wait and see on that one. Okay. Oh, I mentioned this uh, to pay it off. Uh, Eggnog and a Christmas story. Can we agree on something here? Can we? Hit me up at the no show on Twitter if you'd like to weigh in. Or or the phones, 877-99 on Fox. Can we agree on two things related to Christmas? Eggnog is delicious, but it's horrible branding. Terrible branding. I didn't try eggnog until I think last year. I'm 43 years old right now. The first 42 years of my life, I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't. I thought it would have tasted like eggs. You know, I love sunny side up eggs, scrambled eggs. I don't want to drink it. I don't want to drink eggs. I'm not Sylvester Stallone in Rocky preparing for a big fight. You know, I don't want that. But I finally tasted it. A coworker was like, try it out. It's pretty good. I'm like, all right. It tastes like icing. It tastes tremendous. I love it. So I think it's underrated. I think it's horrible branding. The other thing is, I can't remember what network it was. might have been TNT the other night. I don't remember. But um, they were just playing a Christmas story on a loop. You know, where the the kid wants the gun, and there's a narrator of the whole movie. Completely, completely overrated movie. Totally overrated. Not even that good. Yet I don't know why. It's this thing with nostalgia, the Christmas time, like I I don't know. It is really, it is the Christmas version of Caddyshack. Caddyshack is worshipped by far too many people. It's not even good. It's the worst movie. I I'll say this: It's the most overrated movie of all time. <laughs> there are worse movies than that. So let me let me backtrack a little bit. It's the most overrated movie of all time. I think that A Christmas Story is the Christmas version of Caddyshack. It is the most overrated Christmas movie of all time, bar none. Now I welcome in Kevin O'Connell because he is a he's a movie buff. I'm curious where he stands on this. Now give me honesty, Kevin. You don't have to be nice because this is the first time we work together. If you think I am off my rocker, just say it loudly like you're from the Bronx over here. What do you think about what I just said?
11: Uh, I can't disagree with you, to be honest with you. The nice. whole Christmas story on replay for twenty four hours during Christmas Day, I don't I don't like to be that guy at the party that says, Hey, why is this still on? But you know, I gotta be that guy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's
5: right. It's like, oh, we get it. You know, you uh I don't know remember the scene where the guy he stuck his tongue on the uh this sounds like a drop uh, <laughs> in the making right but the tongue gets stuck right like we get that right yeah like okay okay great Fu- not really funny not no. funny nowadays for sure not even funny back then I don't understand why it's worshipped the way it is
11: me neither I've never bought into it I've never yeah i, I I'm right there with you I totally agree with you there and then Caddyshack, not a huge fan either. I maybe it's um, too young for it, but not my kind of comedy.
5: Yeah, man, look at this—we are bonding over here. <laughs> I and you know maybe this is partially to blame, also certainly with Caddyshack, because when something's oversold, they're like, "Oh man, this movie! This movie is unbelievable! It's so funny!" If you build it up like that, and I watch it, it's like you're almost setting it up for failure at that point. I'll give you a, a very quick comparison. So I randomly went to college at, well, I don't know if it's random, but I went to Ball State. It's in Indiana. And they have a rock quarry there. You could go cliff jumping. And it was a decent drop. Like the bigger drop was, we measured it one time, it was 55 feet. So it's like a legit fall. But the first time I had gone right before Two of my friends are like, oh my gosh, they're building it up. They're like, you're going to look down. You're going to be like, no way. No way am I jumping over here. It's basically you're going to see the depths of hell when you look. They were just overselling this thing. So when I finally got there, I'm like, this is it? This is what you guys have been pumping up the whole time? I think movies work in a similar way. So I think that hurt a little bit. It had something to do with my harsh evaluation of Caddyshack. But even without that, I still contend that the movie sucks so bad. Even if you hadn't built it up, I still would have said, this movie blows. I don't understand the fascination with it.
11: Yeah, no, the build-up, it, it never helps. I mean, even with anything, if you like something, I try not to tell or build it up too much because you can't. If, if you have such high expectations, it's just like same thing with uh, Breaking Bad, like you were talking about. It's uh-huh. like, okay, I've heard so much about this over the years. And then I finally watch it, I'm like, <laughs> all right, it's good, but, you know, but, and then you're like, okay, I'm kind of over it now because of all that buildup. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It has an effect. There's no doubt. All right. 877-99 on Fox is the phone number. Get on in here. You know, don't be bashful. We'll talk some sports. You know, even if you're half in the bag, let's be honest, it was a holiday. Maybe you were celebrating. Maybe you were throwing some hard liquor in the eggnog. I don't know. Call in anyway. I'm not going to make fun of y'all. Roll with it. This is overnight radio. There are basically no rules, except we can't quite explain what Matthew McConaughey was saying when he said those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers up, like, right? Like, that's a little bit off limits. That's about the only thing. Otherwise, there's really no rules. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios. The focus is more so on what these playoff teams lack. I want to get to that. I'm Brian Noe, in for Jonas. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Brian Noe here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the Geico Studios. Okay, so, uh, well, I don't know if I can promote it as a quick thought because it's something NFL-related, and I'm going to mention a number of teams. (laughs) Might not be a quick thought here, but... uh, I'll lay a few things out before we hear from Brian Fenley. And I want to get to the tweets. A lot of people checking in on Twitter. So uh, I think some of the uh, comments are pretty entertaining. So I want to get to that as well. But I was just thinking about this. With the NFL playoffs not too far away, there are a handful of teams where the focus is way more on what the teams lack than what they actually do well. The Saints, I think that there's more focus on what they lack than what they bring to the table. Their defense is a lot better than how it started off this season. They play good defense. Alvin Kamara, as you saw on Christmas Day, rushing for six touchdowns. He's a stud. Yet there's a lot of, eh, but what about Breeze? Threw a couple of picks. Troy Aikman was talking about it. Underthrew a pass. Like... His ribs aren't quite right. He's not quite healthy. Like, what do you have with Drew Brees as we get for we we're getting to the playoffs inch by inch here? It's a legitimate question, but right, I think that the Saints—they're one of those teams because let's be honest—they've raised the expectations being a thirteen and three team for a number of years now, right? Where you start to look at the warts. More than the strengths. So who are a couple of other teams where that's the case? I think the Steelers are the example of this. Where I get it. They have a three-game losing streak. They committed three turnovers against the Bengals. They fall into a three seed. We don't even know if they're going to win their division when they were just a few weeks ago an undefeated one seed in the AFC. AFC. So I see why people are going to look at the negative and look at what hasn't happened with the offense. They haven't scored 20 points for four straight weeks. Big Ben hasn't looked good. The running game has been bad. like On and on and on. But that isn't the only thing about the Steelers, right? They lead the league in sacks. They're number two in takeaways. They're number two in scoring defense. Only the Dolphins give up fewer points per game. All that stuff matters, Yet it's only what they lack. What they don't do. It's not, hey, they still have a nasty defense. They still produce a lot of takeaways. That's important. And Big Ben's a two-time Super Bowl champion. What if he gets hot come playoff time? That It's not impossible. So I think the Steelers are one of those teams where it's all about what they don't do well. Instead of what their strengths are. I think there are a couple other examples. I think the Rams are an example. It's a great example of it. The Rams, in terms of their strengths, Aaron Donald. Nasty. Best defensive player in football. He's a wrecking ball. as a defensive tackle. He's a sack master as a D tackle. That typically does not happen. And you've got Jalen Ramsey. He'll be matched up on DK Metcalf on Sunday. Can't wait for that. But Jalen Ramsey is one of the top corners in the entire league. When you have star playmakers, one on the defensive line, one in the defensive backfield, that matters. I know it's a mixed bag with Jared Goff. But the good version of Jared Goff is fine. It's fine. Maybe we see the good version come playoff time. It's not like the Packers are playing lockdown defense. It's not like the Seahawks are or the Legion of Boom still. There are a lot of teams that have holes also. Look at Tampa. Tampa's defense. Who knows what you're going to get from them. I think the NFC is wide open. But it's just what the Rams don't do. They just lost to the Jets. I get it, right? Jared Goff, when he's bad, he's freaking atrocious. So I understand why you can look at what they don't do well. But it seems like that's what most of the focus is. For some people, that's what the entire focus is. Last team I'll mention. The focus is more so on what they lack. Tampa Bay. Tampa. That's a team where it's harped on the inconsistencies of the defense. Tom Brady when he's under pressure. eh, 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 The completion percentage. The passer rating. All that stuff. All those are legitimate criticisms. But it's just... The criticisms are harped on, are focused on, more than the strengths. The truth about the NFL playoffs, all these teams have flaws. Some of these teams, and they're top seeds, some of them have noticeable, like can end your playoff run type flaws, holes on the roster. And for whatever reason, they aren't focused on as much as the holes of other teams are. It's a weird dynamic, but when you look at these teams in the NFC, in particular, Saints have holes. They aren't focused on as much because Aaron Rodgers has thrown 40 touchdown passes and he's one of the MVP front runners. Right, it's one of the favorites, but their defense, they, they, their rush defense is not very good. They're giving up almost five yards per clip on the run uh, on the ground. Is that good? Seahawks defense. Are you putting a significant money that matters to you on the Seahawks in a deep playoff run? Their offense, by the way, their offense has been bad lately. Russ barely threw for over 100 yards over against Washington, you know? Their O-line is nothing to write home about. I don't love the matchup on Sunday against the Rams. Rams have gotten after the passer the last couple of weeks. Like They've gotten after Russ before as well. I don't love that matchup for Seattle, but you tell me. Between Seattle and the Rams, whose deficiencies are focused on more? It's clearly the Rams. Not even close. Like, Russ is a much better quarterback than Jared Goff. Granted. And that's a big reason why the deficiencies of the Rams are focused on more. But it doesn't end there. The Seahawks have noticeable flaws. And those aren't focused on as much. It's just interesting how it's, you know... You focus on the negative with this team, but yeah, you kind of gloss over it with this other team. But make no mistake, especially in the NFC, that is wide open. And I don't think that the Chiefs are as head and shoulders above the competition as a lot of people think they are. They can be beaten. They can absolutely be had. Um, but And they are, they're a team that has some holes. Their rush defense isn't great. Their defense collectively leaves a lot to be desired. When Derek Carr is carving you up twice, like that, you're not unbeatable, you know? But because of their strengths and they're so noticeable, and Mahomes is flat out stud and they have a lot of playmakers, their flaws are just glossed over. It's not as if they don't exist. So I just think it's, it's fascinating to me how it's you pick and choose what you focus on. And some of these teams, Saints, Steelers, Rams, and Tampa, their flaws are focused on way more to their, than their strengths to the point where it's almost as if the strengths don't exist, and they do. They absolutely are there. All right, I'll get to the tweets here momentarily, but we have Brian Fenley, who is a big fan, as we found out, of, I don't know, sit back in your easy chair yeah. type EDM. Is that a good way to
7: describe it? Yeah, it's it's upbeat. It's got a good positive beat and uh-huh. it's fast but it's not like rage like you could have a like if I was sitting next to you you could hear what I'm saying I could hear what you're saying with the beat in the background
5: okay yeah you can have a conversation over it
7: yeah so you know when you go to a rave I've been to one and it's just like everybody's up in the air like fists in the air just You know, pounding, pounding, pounding. Like, that is sort of a scenario that you won't see from the delegation of those in which prescribed to more of a a chiller form of trance. Yeah. Which is very soothing. And it's very upbeat as well. I like it. But it's got to be a fast beat, which it is. So It almost sounds therapeutic. It is. Yeah. Some would even say that it's hallucinogenic without having to take anything. If you want oh, really? a natural trip, just saying, just saying. It's it like does the, the mushrooms
5: of the music world? Is it that is what it is? It is
7: exactly the case. Don't do drugs. Wow. And okay. It's like going on a trip without having to take anything. It's cheap. Just turn on the radio. Well, you got to obviously pick where you can find this kind of music, but it's so worth it.
5: Very nice. Okay, well Brian Fenley, what else is going on in the sports world? Chris right P
7: now? is like, all right, get with it. <laughs> the, the NBA Let's start with that. The Clippers split open the Nuggets 121-108. to Kawhi Leonard receiving eight stitches on his mouth after teammate Serge Ibaka accidentally elbowed him. Have you to... seen the
5: slow motion of that,
7: Big B? Where his his jaw just yeah. moves from one side to another? Seemingly. I'm glad he's
5: okay, but the super slow-mo, his mouth is just
7: like...
5: I feel bad for him. He hit the deck. I'm glad it wasn't a knee injury the way he felt like a ton of bricks, you know? It's like a punch to a boxer's face in yes. slow-mo a knockout. Yeah. Who's punch? the MMA guy, right? We saw yeah. it I don't within the last 2 months or so where the one guy the the one guy that knocked the other guy out, he goes for a kick and the guy who gets knocked out catches his foot and then the knockout artist does this roundhouse kick, boom, right to the <laughs> face and you see his eyes just roll back as he's doing the Mortal Kombat wobble and then just <laughs> hits the deck. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. It was a little like that.
7: I, I yeah, it's it's rough. By the way, you saw, we all saw what happened instantly afterwards. Leonard drooped to the floor, blood was oozing from his face. It, it no doubt was a very yeah. graphic scene. Good to hear he's doing fine, according to his head coach, Ty Lue. Yeah. The Lakers dominate the Mavericks 138-115. LeBron James and Anthony Davis combining for 50 points. The Nets shatter the Celtics 123-95. Kyrie Irving threw down 37 points. The Bucks spray down the Warriors 138-99. Golden State slumps to 0-2. And those two losses have come by a combined 65 points. Steph Curry had 19 in the game, but as we have mentioned, two for 10 from downtown. The Heat startled the Pelicans, 111-98. Miami's Duncan Robinson made 7-3. head coach Eric Spolstra has an 8-0 record on Christmas Day games. And in the NFL, Alvin Kamara ties a league record with six rushing touchdowns as the Saints butcher the Vikings 52-33. Afterwards, Drew Brees gloating over capturing a fourth straight NFC South title.
4: It is significant, especially in this division where you know normally we're sending multiple teams in the playoffs you
6: know so you and you're fighting tooth and nail um each and every year especially against your divisional opponents you know in order to put yourself in a position where you can win one of these titles and-
7: i'm telling you brian too many people are sort of undercutting drew Brees. he had over 300 yards passing yes two picks in the game but yeah. don't write him off yet and don't write these saints off for this upcoming postseason
5: Totally, man. I hear you. No doubt. I'm with you, Big B. Hey, um, Brian, no. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So I have to go quickly here. Herb is in Long Island, and it just says here, wants to talk a Christmas story. I have to hear this, Herb. Where do you stand on the movie?
8: All right. Um I'm 57. Depends on uh, how when you grow up, uh, who you see the movie with. So I love the Christmas story. I used to watch it with my late father. Um, I introduced my nieces to. Ho- I saw with my late mom Home Alone one and Home Alone two, and my nieces are now teenagers. They love the movie Caddyshack. I saw it with friends. I don't even like golf, but I love Rodney Dangerfield and Bill Murray and the snobs against the working class people. That's why I enjoy about the movie. And, and Bill Murray, you know, he was an add-on and he he stole the movie. That that's my opinion. Um, I'm kind of old school. Uh, I don't know how old. You, I guess you're in your thirties or forties, Brian. So it all depends when you see the movie, who you see it with, and you just you know.
5: That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I'm 43, okay. so you know herb. Um, so yeah and and look, here here's the thing. Um, there's something about nostalgia, you know, if you uh, I think some of it's like video games. It's kind of a weird comparison, but like there, there's this Nintendo video game just called baseball. It's a horrible game. But it's the first game I ever played. Like, having a Nintendo, it was like, this is state-of-the-art. And while I realize it sucks now, it, it still holds a place in my heart, you know? And so sometimes movies are like that. If you see it with, uh, if it reminds you of your father or something, yeah, of course you're, you're going to think of that movie in a a more higher regard. So I can totally understand that. With that being said, what's weird about Caddyshack. I love Bill Murray. I love Rodney Dangerfield. I hate the movie. I don't think it's any good. I think it's a bunch of bad Saturday night live skits. That's <laughs> mostly what the movie is. Um in a Christmas story, totally overrated, completely overrated. Uh, I don't like the narrating in it. I uh, I think it's uh it's not a movie that's quality enough to be on a loop. I'll say that much. Right, It was on a loop. I think it was on TNT for 24 straight hours. Just a Christmas story. No, it's not that good. Training Day? I know it's not a holiday movie. With Denzel as the bad guy? You put that on a loop? I get it. You know? You put um, Gladiator on a loop. Great movie. I get it. Christmas story? No. Don't get it. Thumbs down on that. But agree to disagree, Herb. And hey, man, if it reminds you of your pops, all great. All great. Not shaming you for liking it. It is just uh, no man. I I view it differently. It'd be, it'd be boring if we always agreed, right? All right. Let's get to this coming up next. I have tweets galore. Tweets galore. Some of it related to movies, but also ball as well. There's one here about ooh. Someone says that the MVP of the Saints is not Kamara, not Drew Brees, not Cameron Jordan. And I'll get to that one. Oh, man. Someone called me a jackass. Some, The audacity of this listener. You'll find out why coming up. <laughs> That's always fun. I'm Brian, though, in for Jonas. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. The 2024
11: presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
10: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)
5: I'm Brian Noh here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the Geico Studios. All right. Been some tweets rolling in at the No Show. I wanted to share them with you. Now, a couple of movie things here real quick. First off, the positive. Snake from Albany checking in. I agree 100% that Mud, starring Matthew McConaughey, is a great movie. Not enough people know about it. Those are the numbers we need to pump up. I like it. Very good movie. Underrated. Also, we mentioned Smoke and Aces. Snake says is another solid movie recommendation. See, energetic, entertaining action movie. Chris, check that on out, man. You got to get on Smoking Aces over there.
3: That's good. I'll have some time in uh, about you know two three weeks, and I'll probably check out a bunch of movies. Okay,
5: it's on the list. It's in the queue. Is it the queue or the cube? How do you do it? What is it? It's the queue, right? Uh, it's The queue. I yes,
11: the queue.
5: The queue. All right, Damien checks in. What the hell, Brian? The Christmas story is not overrated, you jackass. <laughs> now, I do like the usage of uh, usage of jackass. I I can't fault him for that, but it's a Christmas story. It's not the, it's not the, it's a. You can't screw that up, you know? If you ride hard for a movie, you got to get the title, right? Good Lord. And no, it's not a great movie. It's completely overrated. Now we have uh, Buntman checks in. The Saints' most valuable player is Michael Thomas in all caps. Very, very uh, forceful with this. Uh, Adamant. Probably a better way to describe it. Running backs are all overrated, especially Derrick Henry. Now, I disagree with both statements there. I don't think the Saints' most valuable player is Michael Thomas. He's clearly a valuable player. Don't get me wrong, but the most valuable? No. Do you think he's putting up those numbers if... Taysom Hill is his quarterback the entire year. No, it's it's Drew Brees. I still think Drew Brees is the most valuable player for the Saints as we get closer to the playoffs. Like, it's going to... This is the best way to explain it. How far the Saints advance, it's going to be tied way closer to Drew Brees if he produces or not compared to Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara... Cameron Jordan, whoever. Like, Michael Thomas could have a a no-show of a game. Alvin Kamara could have a dud of a game. Saints can still win. Like, the chances of the Saints winning with Drew Brees having an absolute dud of a game are way longer. They don't have nearly as good of a chance to win. And as far as all running backs being overrated, no, Derrick Henry is not overrated. If anything, Derrick Henry is underrated. The dude is an absolute Mack truck Huge part of Tennessee's offense. Okay, more. We get seashell pipes. You'll shoot your eye out making takes like that. So many classic scenes. You're not supposed to watch it 24 hours straight. Shame on both of you. Okay, he's talking about a Christmas story. It was on a loop for 24 hours. First off, nobody in their right mind would watch it for 24 straight hours. I didn't watch it at all because it's an overrated movie. You know, I got a couple of lines that are memorable and people act like it's a great movie. No, it's not. It's not. Sorry. Truth hurts. Steven checks in. I am 34 and have tried and have never tried eggnog because it sounds awful. Even after you telling me it's good, I still don't believe you. Terrible branding. Sounds horrible. Couldn't agree more with that part. All right, yeah, it's horrible branding, but I'm telling you, it's very good. It tastes like icing to me. Tasty. Now, I don't know if it's, this might be a strange thing, but I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of variation with how it's prepared. You know, is it like, name a soft drink. Is it like Coca-Cola? Like you grab a Coke, it tastes the same way every single time. I don't know if eggnog is like that. It might be prepared a little bit differently. Maybe this person adds uh, whole milk. This other one adds skim milk. I don't know. I'm not sure. But what I had was really good. It's worth testing out for sure. Mark checks in. Eggnog is better with a bit of skim milk and or rum too. The answer to what Matthew McConaughey is referring to is in the quote itself. Now, Chris, you tell me, when he's talking about pumping up those numbers, those are rookie numbers,
3: that's not in the drop. He's not explaining what he's talking about there, right? No, it is. The drop is pure. The drop is absolutely pure. (laughs) I'm
11: going to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers.
3: Yeah, like you don't have to dump that drop. But if you went
5: a little bit longer, you would have to dump that. As Ben Maller would say, bad job by you. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios, a team that is on the verge of a very rare accomplishment. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your post-Christmas celebration, if you will. Hopefully, you've let the hair down a little bit. Maybe, maybe indulging in some eggnog. I don't know. I don't know. But hopefully, the 26th is going just as well, if not better, than the 25th. But happy to be here talking some ball and some, you know, random shenanigans like we always do with you guys. Feel free to hit us up. 877 99 on Fox is your phone number. So, uh, a little bit here. I want to. Um, want to start with ball from Christmas Day and then look forward to post-Christmas Day football. Because there are a couple of things that I think you've got to be um, focused on here. Now, Alvin Kamara, he got all the headlines. Six rushing touchdowns for the Saints on Friday against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Studley performance. To put it into perspective, the, <laughs> the betting total for the game. The over-under was 51. The Saints scored 52 by themselves. The Saints covered the total. <laughs> like they didn't even need the 33 points from the Vikings. So, Studley performance by Alvin Kamara. You rarely see six touchdowns scored in a game. It ties an NFL record. And after the game, I love this. Mike Zimmer, Vikings head coach, just... Being as blunt and transparent as possible about his sucky defense, listen to the question and the grand slam answer from Zimmer. Would
4: you classify what happened today and what's happened this season as a bad defense? Yeah, this is a bad defense. Worst one I've ever had.
5: Wow. (laughs) That's one of my favorite sound bites of the entire year. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're bad. Like the worst I've ever had. He he went into greater detail about it. Normally it's something that Brian Fenley played earlier on the show tonight where it was Kirk Cousins just cliche after cliche after cliche. Zimmer just cut to the chase. He's like, yeah, defense, we're freaking terrible. Worst I've ever had. It's like the opposite of Drake. The song, the best I've ever had. Zimmer, we get the remix. It's the worst I ever had. I appreciate the honesty. I know this is zigging when the rest of the NFL seems to be zagging. It typically is. It starts with me. I've got to do a better job. Yeah, my defense just gave up 52 points, but point the finger at me. First and foremost, Zimmer is like, no, we're bad. I don't know what to tell you. This is the worst I've ever had, man. They're freaking terrible. They're driving me crazy. I love it. I love that he went in a different direction. Now, here's where I want to go. That's what just happened. Let's look forward now. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're facing the Detroit Lions. A couple of things that you have to keep in mind here. First off, with Tom Brady in particular. So Tom Brady leading Tampa Bay, he has a chance to do something that has not been accomplished for quite some time. The last time Tampa Bay reached the playoffs, was 2007. To put this into perspective, do you remember when the Patriots had their undefeated season in 2007? They went 16-0 in the regular season, lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Of course, you remember that. That feels like ancient history, right? The last time the Patriots went undefeated, Super Bowl 42, we're going on, what, 55? It's been forever, it seems like. That's the last time Tampa made the playoffs. And I think that's really important. Because this entire season, (laughs) Tom Brady has been under the microscope. And I understand that's the way it's going to be. He has six Super Bowl rings the expectations are through the roof for Tom Brady every single season. So I understand that everything is going to be looked at closely. I get that. But what happens is sometimes you get so close to a story, to a player, that you're you're not looking at the big picture. And that's what's happened with Tom Brady. This is the truth. Because Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls, it's like, oh, okay. Our expectations are sky high for this guy. So if there's a loss, if there's a bad performance, this guy's washed. He's done. I told you he's done. Like That's the way it goes. Think for a second about two things. One, Tampa hasn't made the playoffs for 13 years. It's a 13-year drought. And if they beat Detroit on Saturday... Which should happen. They're in the playoffs. That matters. They were a non playoff team last year. Jameis threw 30 picks, right? They didn't sniff the playoffs. Yet Tampa will be a playoff team if they beat Detroit tomorrow. That matters. So I end up, I understand. I'll meet you halfway. I'm not going to sit here and be like, how dare you criticize this great quarterback Tom Brady for for getting what down it was against Chicago. I'm not saying he's blameless. There have been some bad performances, some ugly moments for Tom Brady this year. Sure, there have been legitimate criticisms, but a lot of them have gone above and beyond. And a lot of the criticisms have not taken into account that Tampa hasn't had a playoff appearance in 13 years. That's a big deal. A good way to gauge the value of a player is where was the team before you got there? Where is the team after you left? Where's the Where are the Patriots this year? They're 6 and 8. All right. For all the negativity toward Tom Brady last year. That was a 12 and 4 playoff team. 24 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. That's what Tom Brady had last year. <laughs> Those look like Aaron Rodgers' numbers. Compared to Cam Newton. Like 24-8. and eight. Tom Brady was made out to be, oh, what a terrible season for Tom Brady. They won 12 games. Like, look at the Patriots now. So the Patriots falling off the grid with Tom Brady not there. With Tampa on the verge of making the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. Like, that that all matters. The other part to consider is this although it hasn't been a work of art the entire season with Tom Brady, he's still been good. He still had a good year. He's put up numbers that are very comparable to a Super Bowl winning season with New England. Now, of course, you take the weapons into account. You could say his weapons are better now than they were in New England and all that stuff is true. But I look at it and I say, if Tom Brady's putting up very similar numbers... Like last week, he had one more touchdown pass this year and the same number of interceptions as 2018. You look at him now, and it's still comparable. Like Tom Brady has five more touchdown passes than his 2018 season. Same number of interceptions. So it tells me it's not just on Tom Brady. It's a team game. A lot of it is on the defense. New England's defense was much more consistent in 2018 than the Bucks' defense has been this year. And also, one other thing on Tom Brady's side is that the Pro Football Hall of Fame finalists, like the the actual group, like it's going to be announced right before the Super Bowl, as it is every year. Peyton Manning, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Think about that for a second. Peyton Manning, who was a shell of himself in his final year, He retired before the age of 40. He was 39 years old when he hung him up. Tom Brady is 43. The guy is 43 years old. What he's doing right now, the season he's had 32 touchdown passes, 11 picks, passer rating is 97.5. He's closing in on 4,000 yards passing. It's unprecedented in the history of the NFL. I realize it's going to sound like I wear Tom Brady jammies to bed. It sounds like I'm fanning out over you. I get it, but it's the truth. That's what's sad. The truth sounds like you're an absolute homer who's carrying the water for Tom Brady. But it is valid. Peyton Manning is about to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You have to be retired for five years. And yet... Peyton Manning, having been retired for five years, who was a shell of himself in his final year playing in the NFL, Tom Brady's still going. He's still playing. All of that matters. And I think it's ridiculous that it's glossed over, and it's just, oh, this guy, this freaking guy, he had this bad performance and that bad performance, and what the hell was up with this? And Good Lord. They're on the verge of making the playoffs for the first time since 07. That matters. And he's still playing good football. When Peyton Manning, who is close to the same age, it's only like a year and a half of a gap between the two. Peyton Manning has been retired for five years, and Brady is still in a uniform. That's insane. Yet that gets lost in the shuffle, and it's just oh, uh, the Brady. It's the standard. It's like dude, he's not thirty-four anymore. He's not. He's not twenty-eight anymore. Like that matters. And I don't know why that's completely lost in the shuffle. I'm Brian No, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800 947 Auto. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. Okay, I want to go out to the phones here because Andrea is in Berkeley and she's got some thoughts about Steph Curry, who did not play well on Christmas Day. He was two for eight, uh, two for 10 from three point range as the Warriors lost by 39 points against the Bucks, It's not looking good right now. But Andrea is here to give us some knowledge. So Andrea, you take it away,
9: and good morning to you, by the way. Yes, good morning, and hope you had a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And that was a really cute tweet with you and the dog.
5: (laughs) Oh yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, my sister's dog, Izzy, she's got two dogs, Izzy and Pixie. And, uh, yeah, I was crashed out in front of the fireplace today, <laughs> nice. and I don't know how easy. She was, like, uh, taking a nap underneath my feet. It looked <laughs> like I was crushing her head, but it, she was comfortable. So, yeah, I'm no, glad you like that.
9: Yeah, no, that, that looked cozy. My cat was, doing, was quite cozy. It was raining here in the Bay Area. And, yeah, I watched the Warriors game, and you know what's interesting? I did some research, and um, Steph Curry, he's born March 14, 1988, and when the Warriors played like eight straight Christmas games and the sun is in early Capricorn, you know, Christmas, winter solstice, and it's right on his Saturn in Capricorn and Neptune in Capricorn. And that could be limiting, restrictive, and confusing. So actually Christmas time is, is a challenging time. Uh, I mean, nonetheless, the Warriors, you know, that's when they're slated to play, but it's really not a strong, uh, planetary cycle for him to be playing. And I think he hurt his hand last year when Saturn was on his Mars in Capricorn. Actually, he's a Pisces, but he has four planets in Capricorn. He actually has more planets in Capricorn than Pisces. So that was just kind of tough to watch. But on the bright side, he did um, something about Rick Barry's record. He did match him in um, scoring. So there was that. But it was a tough game, and he's already getting frustrated and venting about the Warriors, and it's only the second game of the season.
5: Yeah, well, it's tough. As you know, he's not used to this. Right. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's, that's, that's a brand-new world for Steph Curry. He's not used to losing by 39. If anything, he's used to winning by 39.
9: Right. Yeah, it's, I think Kerr said it's like a new team. We have to operate like it's a brand-new team, and they're not used to that either. They had a nice little dynasty going.
5: Now, there's some good news for Steph Curry coming up here shortly. Do the planets align, and maybe there's going to be some better play from him or the Warriors?
9: Yeah, you know, I'm going to take a closer look at his um, chart, you know, for the rest of the season and see what's happening. Um, but there was that epic triple conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto in Capricorn on his Mars and Capricorn, and that's over for the most part. So that's when he was having a lot of problems with injuries. So, you know, I, there's no way out but through, but hopefully things will look better. And I'll, I'll take my Virgo fine tooth comb and study yeah. it a little more in depth.
5: I like that. Now, before you go real yeah. fast here, Andrea, yes. as you know, I'm a Scorpio. Yes, so indeed. give me the good and the bad. What I'm looking at here, you know, December 26th, December 27th. What's the weekend looking like for me?
9: Oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked. There's actually a full moon, uh, Brian, on the 29th, on Tuesday. Okay. And Scorpio, you know, they feel a full moon more intensely. They oh. feel everything more intensely. So that should be, you know, kind of a nice uh, full moon to end what was a very intense year. And, uh, yeah, I can uh, look ahead. I know the next Mercury retrograde cycle isn't until January 30th to February 20th. So that's, oh, actually, that's during the Super Bowl. That should be interesting, uh, when they'll have a lot of replays and things. When that, um, what was that, when they had a Super Bowl with Mercury Retrograde, they had all those replays of Janice Jackson and the wardrobe malfunction. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have to do my due diligence on that. But, I you know, Scorpio Energy is very powerful and transformative. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what's ahead for the year, because it's very powerful and and magnetic in that way. So um, it'll be interesting to see how things align for a better 2021. I can take a look for you.
5: Okay. Well, I'll be uh, waiting for that, Andrea. I always appreciate you checking in. Thanks for calling in tonight. Uh,
9: Oh, yeah. And eggnog rules. I had a nice cup myself. Right. (laughs) Does it taste like icing to you? Yeah. I mean, I have a sweet tooth, so I really enjoy eggnog. And, you know, it's seasonal. why not indulge once in a blue moon?
5: Absolutely, no doubt about that. Well, thank you, Andrea. And that's the thing is, I I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why it isn't rebranded. You know, let's just rebrand eggnog. It sounds horrible. I didn't try it until last year because of the name. The name alone. By the way, one other thing here. This might not interest you whatsoever, but uh, I'm going to tell the story because the uh, Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction, like quote unquote. I want a lot of money that Super Bowl. You ever do the Super Bowl squares, right? You have a square and then you have a, the numbers for both teams. And if the score hits your numbers, you win a bunch of money. So John Casey, who's he was the Panthers kicker. It was the Patriots Panthers Super Bowl. So that was good Lord. uh, I'd have to go back and check the number. It would have been, I should know. this. Super Bowl 38, that's what it was, because their first one they won was 36. So this was 38, and the Patriots beat the Panthers. And uh, I had my Super Bowl squares, and John Casey, the Panthers kicker, who kicked the ball out of bounds toward the end of the game, which helped the Patriots get in field goal range and win the game. Like, John Casey is known as a goat that game. Not how I think of him. So, right before halftime, John Casey hit this long field goal. I forget how long it was, but it was close to 60 yards. It was right around there. It might have been 60 yards. I have to go back and look. It was this long field goal, and I hit, my numbers hit right before halftime. And then it was scoreless. I don't think there was a point scored in the third quarter. Again, recurring theme. I have to go back and look. But the Patriots, I think, scored right away in the fourth quarter. But they... Barely missed out on scoring at the end of the third, and so my numbers that hit at the second quarter hit in the third quarter as well. I cleaned up; it was beautiful, beautiful. So yeah, I, of course I remember the wardrobe malfunction, but I also remember cleaning up with my squares in that game. There you go. All right, plenty to get to here. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. Here's your phone number. Twitter at the no show. Always available for you. Coming up next from the Geico Studios. This punishment doesn't even qualify as legit discipline. I'll tell you what that's all about. I'm Brian Though Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio.
12: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with the Seven every weekday. So follow the Seven right now.
10: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win!
0: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with
6: Amex. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air? Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to Land.com. They've got ranches, Forest, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, Land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to Land.com, find your open space, and get out there.
10: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
5: I'm Brian Though here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the Geico Studios. A tweet just caught my eye. Pirate checks in. <laughs> He doesn't start off in complimentary fashion. Once again, you've got no clue. Spelled N-O-E. I kind of like that, right? A Christmas story is not meant to be a great movie. It's a simple story of a boy's dream and the joy his father receives at fulfilling that dream. Maybe when you have kids, you'll understand. Well, I hope that happens. Yeah, I hope that happens one day, Pirate. I'd love to have kids. But if I do, I still think I'm going to be like, "Eh, the movie still sucks. I, it's yeah, not feeling it, and uh like here's the thing like I don't think it's the fault of the movie like of course, you make a movie you want it to be really good, you'd love for it to be great, but if you've got a bunch of like movie watchers overrating your movie it's not really the fault of the movie I wouldn't blame them, right, but the people overrating yeah I blame them I blame those people. I <laughs> I love it. Like some people are very territorial about a Christmas story. I, just, I don't think it's very good. Sorry, I'm sorry. If it's your cup of tea, uh, let me get to this before I get to Brian Fenley. Um, oh, there's another movie tweet. I got to get to this because I disagree with this tweet partially. But but let me get to this before we get an update from uh, Brian Fenley. This doesn't even qualify as legit punishment. Good Lord, Adam Silver, what are you doing? So James Harden, (laughs) James Harden was in a, uh, he was at a party, right? He was at a party. This was right after the NBA came out with a detailed list of COVID protocols. Like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Just right on down the list. And James Harden violated Many of those protocols, being out and about in Vegas at a party. And it was, you can't be out in a gathering of more than 15 people. Uh, you've got to wear a mask. You can't be at places that aren't league approved, like on and on and on. Like And it was just like, bleh, violation, bit violation, bleh, violation, <laughs> just down the list. Multiple violations. What happened with James Harden? He got fined $50,000. That's what he got fined. And Adam Silver was asked about this on the jump, and he was like, eh, it's Christmas. You know, eh. What are you doing? What are you doing? As he well knows, there's no NBA bubble anymore. The protocols just came out. It was like the next day, James Harden was in Vegas around a bunch of people without a mask on. It's like... You've got to punish someone who does something like that. And the NBA was like, "Ah, eh, $50,000 fine. He's got to quarantine for four days and test negative every single day. And then he's cleared. So James Harden, he's cleared to play on Saturday against the Blazers. And he'll have six teammates that are ruled out. That's right. DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, Eric Gordon, they're among the players listed as out for Houston's opener on Saturday against the Blazers. It's like contact tracing and all that stuff. So the Rockets will have nine players traveling to Portland. And that's one more than the minimum required to play an NBA game. <laughs> you got one more than the minimum. And yet, Adam Silver's like, eh, shrug your shoulders. Yeah, it's a first offense. Like, I think you, you come down hard. You set... A tone like, yo, it's a global pandemic still. This is to be taken seriously. If we want the NBA season to actually be played, you can't be going out to clubs without a mask around a bunch of people. Like, We're not going to make it if we do stuff like that. What do you think the chances are? Do you think the chances are better if Adam Silver, he comes down hard on James Harden? You're suspended for five games. You're one of the faces of the league. You can't be in violation of many things at the same time when you just go out like that. Like, do you think that if James Harden, let's say he's suspended for a number of games, do you think it's more or less likely that other NBA players would think twice about doing the same thing? Where they're like, oh, dude, I can't cost myself this much money and I no, nah, I'm like, oh. Or do you think with the slap on the wrist and a $50,000 fine, they might be more likely to be like, yeah, but what's really going to happen? You know, like (laughs) I think they're more likely to go out and that's bad. That's not a good thing for the NBA. Adam Silver, like that's, what's weird about Adam Silver is what do they say? There's a month where it, it comes in like a lion and leaves like a lamb. I don't know which month it is. I'm sure you're, Smarter than me, and you know exactly which month it is. But uh, that's like Adam Silver's tenure as an NBA commissioner. He came in like a lion. Donald Sterling, get out. banned for life. It's almost like he's pounding the table. There's a new sheriff in town, right? And the way it's played out, he's gone out. He's gone about his business like a lamb ever since that moment. It's weird, but he set the groundwork so much and established his reputation that it has earned him the benefit of the doubt in so many instances when it shouldn't. That's really what it is. Like, you'll hear this expression, he rules with an iron fist. Adam Silver rules with a limp wrist. And I'm not saying anything beyond just a lack of punishments. (laughs) Like, James Harden, one of the faces of the NBA, is at a nightclub, partying it up without wearing a mask. In violation of numerous NBA COVID protocols. And your response is, eh, it's Christmas. Fifty G's. That's like <laughs> that's like the the diamond nickel you have rattling around in your pockets. That's basically what fifty G's is to James Harden. That's nothing. And by the way, last note on James Harden here. Before I get to Brian Fenley. So James Harden was on Instagram and he wrote One thing after another, I went to show love to my homegirl at her event. Not a strip club, because she is becoming a boss and putting her people in position of success, and now it's a problem. Every day, it's something different. No matter how many times people try to drag my name under, you can't. The real always end on top. Okay, a few things here. One, I can understand If you're not at the strip club and somehow it gets out, like James Harden was at the strip club. What's he doing at the strip club? And you're like, I wasn't at a strip club. I can understand fully how that would be annoying. Totally get that. And unfair and inaccurate. No problem. He's got a leg to stand on there. Now, where it goes in the other direction is, bro, you are in numerous violations of the COVID protocols. Not wearing a mask in Vegas, among many people, like <laughs> don't get all righteous on us and don't play the victim card like here we go again. I'm just giving turkeys to the poor, right? I'm being a good guy. I'm feeding the needy, right? And you're coming after me like I'm at the strip club when I'm not like, here we go. We need the violin music in the background. Like I'm such a victim. It sounds just like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving can say something stupid, and he's like, here we go again with my words being twisted, and this is not fair. It's not fair. Just let me live. You pawns in the media twisting my words as if I didn't say, yeah, we could have a head coach by committee or finally have a teammate that can knock down a clutch shot even though I've been a teammate of LeBron's for years and he knocked down a lot of clutch but you're coming after me I'm a victim that's what James Harden did playing the victim card every day it's something different I am trying to make a difference by going out and partying without a mask in Vegas and you're coming after me how dare you get out out of here it's so ridiculous man it is it's just ridiculous curious where he ends up though his list is growing. I jokingly put it out there on Twitter the other day that Harden's growing list will soon be just not Houston. Can we just fine? Like I don't know. Add the Suns. Great, they're on the list too. Harden's gonna be like, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm spitballing here. Uh, yeah, put Miami back on the list. I know they they ended their pursuit of me. Put them back on the list. Maybe they'll reopen. I don't. Just not Houston. All right, not here. That's basically what his list is going to turn out to be in short order here. All right, we've got Brian Fenley. He's got an update. Wow, am I late? Good Lord. I am just... What would you say? I'm pulverizing the clock? What am I doing to the clock here? It's not good, Brian. I'm dropping the people's elbow
7: on the clock. I apologize. Very late getting to you. You are butchering the clock, Brian, Uh, but what you forgot to tell... All of our listeners, is that you are actually wearing right now during this show a Kyrie Irving jersey? So you are kind of a fanboy while you're going on and on about him in a rant. You know, like here's what I'll do. I will play the victim
5: card like Kyrie Irving would. I'm not going to accept responsibility that it's actually my fault that I blew up the clock. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on, well, I mean, uh, there was this uh, violin music bed that that Chris played and he kind of just egged me on and right? Like I'm such a victim over here. It's like, "No, just accept responsibility and move on."
7: No doubt. To the NBA we go and a list of games on Christmas Day. The Clippers victimized the Nuggets 121-108. Kawhi Leonard needing eight stitches on his mouth after Serge Ibaka accidentally decked him going for a rebound. L.A. head coach Ty Lue said Leonard will be fine. The Lakers smear the Mavericks 138-99. LeBron James, who came away with 22 points and 10 dimes, touted the way his team moved the basketball
4: we could have cracked 40 assists
2: um, if we were uh, more partial uh, so characters with some hard turnovers. especially in that second quarter, but
6: uh, the way we're moving the ball, the way we were sharing the ball and just um, keeping everybody involved, keeping everybody uh, feeling very comfortable on the offensive end, just comes from you know the, uh, the film, uh, like you said, that um, we we died into the basketball
7: And right after that interview, LeBron James came up to the surface of the water, and you know, it sounded like he was below the water. <laughs> 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 what is it with NBA audio? Why why can't we get these players' microphones? Why <laughs> it continues to be a thing? Well, the the bubble was quite the scene uh, because you had you, you never knew what you were going to hear in the background.
5: It, there would be like someone was mowing the grass in the background. <laughs> yes. There's a washing machine. It's like, can we mic these dudes up? What is wrong with uh, this
7: picture? So true. The net. The Nets box up the Celtics 123-95. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sync up for 66 points. The Bucks saunter past the Warriors 138-99. to 99. Good, word. Good word. Thank you. Chris Middleton made six threes. He emerged with 31 points and finally in the NFL Alvin Kamara tallies an NFL tying six rushing scores as the Saints pick on the Vikings 52 to 33 to preserve the NFC South title. The loss taking Minnesota out of playoff contention. Kirk Cousins did have three passing touchdowns and Brian Noe on the Saints' side, Sean Payton said it felt like he was playing a CFL game because they had 36 first downs and they barely had to get a third down. It was first down conversion after first down conversion, sort of a la what it's like in a CFL game where you only have three downs. By the way, I really love the way the CFL does things. Do you? Yes.
5: I haven't indulged that Really? Much. Yeah. I really haven't.
7: I've tried, and I'm like, "Uh, uh," you know? There's not as much ground and pound because you have one less down. So if you don't have a really good thrower, and if you're a running back and you're trying to make the NFL, it's a hard spot to make a name for yourself because you're just not going to get the carries. It's tough because I need to look at it for what it is. But
5: when it's so different in many ways to – like the NFL and college football, when you when you have the guy like running in motion, like that, that's just weird, you know? Like he's running forward. It's like what? Or am I mixing that up with the Arena League? Can you do that in the CFL? Can I swear you can have one guy that's running toward the line of scrimmage before they snap the ball? Is that happen? Unlimi-
3: you can have unlimited motion before the snap wow. in uh, in CFL. It's only one man in the NFL. Look,
5: are you a CFL guy too? Yeah, Chris? I, I
3: watch I watch the Grey Cup. Grey I I've Cup actually is awesome. been to i I've actually been to CFL games. I lived 2 years in Vancouver and I went to a a BC Lions game. Get out
5: of. here. What are the fans like? Are they crazy?
3: Uh it depends on what part of Canada you're in. If you live if you're a fan of like one of the prairies teams like Saskatchewan, Calgary or Edmonton, you're uh you're you're, you're in there. The rough Saskatchewan fans in particular, they're like Packers fans. They're oh. kind of the Green Bay Packers of the of the CFL. But if you're in Toronto, you you probably watch the NFL instead. You don't care much about the Argos.
5: By the way, um you know how the North Dakota State fans pronounce it Bison, right? Saskatchewan. How do those people there pronounce it? Saskatchewan. They pronounce it the same way. They I don't go so. Saskatchewan or anything like that. No, it's like the normal way. I you know I Did you pay close enough attention, Chris?
3: Hmm? No, it was just people uh, talking about Regina, usually. (laughs) Uh, Akeem Hicks, Bears player. Very good player. Regina. Mm -hmm. He was there. There's some players. Look, Cameron Wake. There's a great article. I think it was on SB Nation from several years ago about there is a uh, CFL quarterback, Anthony Calvillo, retired now. But he has, I believe, the most passing yards of any quarterback in pro football, more than anyone in the NFL. You know, so and it's it's, it's by a magnitude that I don't think it'll be beat anytime soon. Yeah.
5: Eh, maybe I'll get into it a little bit more going forward. I don't know. Maybe I'll have cash on these games. You know, that's a good way to get invested in stuff. I think I just need to start randomly gambling on CFL games. And if I have success, then boom, I'm a fan. Yeah, got a fighting chance that way. All right, we close it down in style. Coming up, coming up next from the Geico Studios. Uh, there's a tweet here uh, throwing a movie under the bus. I completely disagree with this. I want to get on that. Um, dysfunction defined. I'll go fast on that thought. And also, also this. I think it's a Christmas story that... I don't know if it brings a tear to your eye, but I think it brings a smile to your face. Even just a partial one. I'll share a story, uh, some Christmas um, cheer being spread my way. But it's a funny story. I'll get to that. I'm Brian though in for Jonas Knox. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Brian though here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the Geico Studios. The fellas on deck, top of the hour. That dramatic pause, I was like, oh, it's gonna be Slayer. That's what he's doing. Chris is going for Slayer right here. And it wasn't. It was not. Disappointed about that, Chris. Disappointed. He'll make up for it Sunday morning when I'm with Andy Furman. Chris and I work together, so we'll get a lot of Slayer then. By the way, hey, if you um if you went all out with Christmas presents, right? If you spend a lot of money, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put whatever amount you spent on Christmas presents, that exact same amount, put it on the Cardinals minus five against San Francisco. Boom! Free presents this year. This is a gift from the gambling gods. The gambling gods are smiling down at you, saying, Arizona minus five, you don't think they're going to cover that against San Francisco? San Francisco's banged up. There's They've been eliminated. They're waiting for the offseason. They've got C.J. Bethard behind center. He's going to be the quarterback. You had Kyler Murray looked a lot better last week against Philly. The shoulder injury, he's been banged up. Ever since that Seattle game, he ran, and a defensive lineman just, boom, pancaked him. <laughs> he's been banged up for, for, for weeks now. He's looking a lot better. Arizona. You know, it's not smart to guarantee things when it comes to the NFL. I guarantee, guarantee the Arizona Cardinals will cover the five-point spread against San Francisco. Again, if you spent, I don't know, $600 on Christmas presents, put $600 on the Arizona Cardinals minus five. Free Christmas presents. My gift to you. Okay, uh, now I read this tweet wrong initially. Mr. X, he checked in. He was like, Christmas movies, completely overrated. A Christmas Story, Love Actually. I agree with him on A Christmas Story. Completely overrated. Love Actually, not bad. Not bad. Deserve Better, The Family Stone. I haven't seen that one. And Silver Linings Playbook. I agree with that. I think Silver Linings Playbook is a very, very good movie. Very good movie. There you go. There's that. Oh, and then also this. A Christmas story that, uh, I don't know if it brings a tear to your eye, but uh, maybe a smile to your face, possibly. So I won't give you the uh, full-blown version here. I'll try to condense it, but I can be wordy from time to time. Okay. So my TV just up and died on me. For weeks I had been thinking, yeah, I should get a surge protector for this TV. It's like a 65-inch TV in, in my living room. And so I turned the TV on. This is months ago. And uh, black screen doesn't work. So I'm like, ah, I'm out of luck. I'm down. And I don't know what I was thinking, but it was an expensive TV. I'll get to the price in a little bit. Um, so I, uh, I checked because I bet- bought it at Best Buy. And I'm like, uh, is it under warranty? And they're like, I bought two TVs at the, at the same time. They're like, the TV that works is under warranty. The TV that is broken is not under warranty. I'm like, horrid. Are you? Kidding, are you me? It's not under warranty. So I'm just out of luck. And so a listener, because I do a weekday show in Portland, he was like, check to see if there's a, a warranty with your credit card company. Sometimes they offer that. And so I reached out to American Express. I was like, do you offer a warranty? They were like, yeah, we offer a a one-year warranty that's in addition to the, the manufacturer's warranty. So I'm like, shoot. I broke it, and it was just under two years, okay? So I'm like, ah, I'm out of luck. Then I was like, wait, let me call Sony and see if there's a manufacturer's warranty. Turns out there was a one-year warranty, and so with American Express matching that one year, it was like a two-year warranty. Boom! It's under warranty. So... They're like, have a technician come out, diagnose it, and we'll give you the money. So he comes out, diagnoses it, says it's about 640 bucks. So they give me 640 bucks. He orders a part, doesn't work. Orders another part, that doesn't work. So I'm still out of the TV. I reached out to him again. I was like, thank you very much for the 640 Thank you very much. But the TV is still broken, so can I get a new TV? They gave me the difference. They gave me like 1100 bucks, the full price of the TV on top. Hit me up at the notion. What's the TV I should be in the market for? Is it 4K? What are we looking at? Enjoy the ball on Saturday. Catch you later. Have a good day.
9: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With Simelbo Grease,